Right now, Joe Biden is getting slammed by CNN. He's getting slammed by the left and the right over his handling of an escalating border crisis. They're saying that encounters have now surpassed over 100,000. He's reopened some of these facilities for detaining children that even Donald Trump closed. So he's getting flack from the progressives. He's getting flack from the conservatives. He's not doing enough. He's getting flack from many of these people on these border states. So we're going to get into this. We're going to talk about a bit of what's going on with the, the culture and a bit of the cultural crisis we have here in the U.S. where the hyperpolarization is resulting in talk of things like secession. And it seems like Joe Biden, when it comes to the COVID response, when it comes to his leadership, he's not actually speaking to red states. He's only really speaking about blue states, leaving many conservatives, Republicans kind of upset with the job he's doing. But this was, I'd imagine, predictable. Hyperpolarization has, has been expanding in this country for quite some time. It's been getting worse. It was particularly bad under Donald Trump. And I think we can be very critical of the media for a lot of this. And now it's probably only going to get worse because it seems Joe Biden simply got elected just because a lot of people didn't like Trump. We now have a poll coming out that suggests less than half of voters think Joe Biden is capable of even handling the job of president. So we'll have a good discussion about it. And we have a really great guest tonight. We're being joined by Alan West. I'll just let you describe yourself. You introduce yourself however you'd like. Well, it's good to be here with each and every one of you, Ian, Tim, and uh, Lydia, uh, you know, former retired uh, Army Lieutenant Colonel, former member of the United States House of Representatives. As a matter of fact, it was 10 years ago that I was serving up here in the House of Representatives and now also the chairman of the Republican Party of Texas. So it's uh, a pleasure to be here with each and every one of you. And, and I, I kind of get this feeling like this is Logan's run and I'm Peter Ustinov, and I'm being brought back into the city with all the young people. I mean, this is this is kind of cool. Yeah. Well, I'm you know? 35. Well, I so got I'm, you by 25 years. Yeah. But I'm still 41. I'm still dead in Logan's Run universe. Yeah, you're dead, but yeah. but you're a runner. Right. So yeah, you yeah. came out and you found me in Sanctuary, <laughs> and you brought me back to the city. What's the premise? I never saw it. Oh my God! When you no, turn, you have, it, you, they have a light in their hand that, yeah. like, when they when they turn thirty, they get killed. Oh jeez! So like, but they is, tell them you're being renewed, but you're not being renewed. You're being killed. Yeah. Mm. Yep. So they bring people back. Everyone? No, there no, was no. there was one person that was the oldest person, and there was this place called Sanctuary, and that's where the runners went to so that they can live a full life, and they found this person out in Sanctuary, and they brought him back to show to the people that. You can't grow old. So it's kind of interesting being here, you know, my salt and pepper flat top <laughs> with, uh, well, with you all. I think you're you're still pretty uh, significant in the political landscape. You're chairman Ooh. of the Texas Republican Party. Yeah. Recently, you made a you made a you had a quote and all of a sudden the media was an uproar saying you were calling for secession of Texas from the United States. Mm -hmm. But you, you you made a really good point. You like kind of had this like wink moment at the press where you kind of baited them into it. Well, absolutely. That's one of the things that the military teaches you is that you always think about before you do anything, before you take an action, you, you, you know, think of how would your opposition, you know, look at this? How would they respond to and react to it? And so basically what I said is that, you know, here in the United States of America, there should be a union of constitutional law-abiding states that form together. And now, of course, the left went crazy about that. But if you look at the preamble of the Constitution, what does it say? We, the people of the United States of America, in order to form a more perfect union, first thing, establish justice. So if you're going to, you know, get into an argument with me about constitutional law-abiding you know, states coming together, abiding by the rule of law, then you're going to lose that argument. They're basically saying they're the ones who aren't abiding by the rules. They, absolutely. Yeah. And so, and so yesterday, I, I don't know if you can pull it up, but every Monday I put out what is called a chairman's Monday message and, and it goes out. And so yesterday the title was constitutionists versus secessionists. 
Because really, the people that are seceding in the United States of America are the people that are breaking away from the Constitution. You look at the legislation that they're passing, H.R. 1, which is trying to nationalize federal elections. Show me where in the Constitution that the federal government has the enumerated power to run elections. That's the state's right. Let's, That's the state's responsibility. We're going to get into all. Let's, let, we'll get into yeah. all this. We'll just you know keep this as a shorter introduction. Yeah. Introduction. But I do think it's interesting considering you're in Texas. You're a border. You're a border state. Yeah. You, you've got serious issues with the migrant crisis. That you know, Joe illegal Biden's immigrant being, crisis. Absolutely, yeah. illegal immigrant crisis. Um, Biden's being heavily criticized for his inability to handle it. And I mean, you're you're also you know everything we just talked about with the Constitution and these states and the hyperpolarization. So it's going to be interesting. We got Ian hanging out. What's up, everybody? Ian Crossland in the house. See, Ian was trying to interview, you know, I mean, now we're going to yeah. And I'm like, Ian, I want to know about you your gotta, military you background, you your time in Congress. What does the chairman of the Republican Party do? We're we'll we'll great get, conversation. We'll get into it. <laughs> uh, we got Lydia pressing all the Yeah, buttons. trying to sneak more interviews in with our guests before they get on that's air. That's Producer. That's I mean, correct. You Thank know, Mark you. Levin has Mr. Producer. You got Miss Producer. Yeah, that's right. Thank you. I value that. I like that title. Now, before we get started with this very serious conversation, <laughs> or maybe not so serious conversation, head over to TimCast.com and become a member to get access to exclusive members-only segments of the TimCast IRL podcast. Yesterday, there were a lot of people who weren't a big, they weren't big fans of Rucka, but we did do an, ex- uh, an, uh, an exclusive segment where we went through the collapse of the anti-SJW YouTubers or this community. A lot of these people, for some reason, either lost their principles, stopped producing content, changed and no longer engage in politics, and we get into why that might be. And it's kind of a nostalgic look at the you know, earlier years of the culture war. Everything's become so serious now. It's very academic. So we decided to have a conversation about it. You should definitely check it out. But we also got other people. We've got Cassandra Fairbanks. We got Ben Stewart, Scott Pressler, a bunch of really awesome exclusive segments. So definitely go to TimCast.com, become a member, because it really does help support the show. And in the event we get banned, that's where we will be. But uh, uh, And also, don't forget to like, share, subscribe. Hit the notification bell. Let's read this first story, and I'll just highlight a couple of little snippets, and then we'll just dive into this conversation. CNN, of all outlets right now, surprising. They report Southwest border crisis leaves Biden vulnerable on all sides. They say the White House may be loath to call the situation on the southwestern border, which hundreds of migrant children are crossing alone, a crisis, but it's fast becoming a political emergency for the president. We have Fox News reporting that encounters have topped 100,000 in just February as the migrant crisis is spiraling. So here it comes. And, uh, you know, so, so Alan, you're in Texas. Yeah. You're the chairman of the Republican Party. I mean, this is an issue that's very seriously affecting you. It's incredibly affecting us. And one of the things you have to understand is that Texas is the number one state in the United States of America for human and sex trafficking. Dallas and Houston are the top two cities. So that's an important part when you start to have all of these unaccompanied minors that are being brought in. What happens to them when they're just released into the uh, society? As a matter of fact, they're looking at bringing 3,000 of these uh, illegal immigrants uh, into Dallas to put them at the K. Bailey Hutchison Convention Center. Then where do they go from there? These are minors. These are minors. And so when you understand that atmosphere, when you understand the illegality of drugs to the cross and the drug cartel tells and how they're getting richer. It comes back to a very simple premise. Why do you break something that is working? If it ain't broke, don't fix it. And so you had an immigration situation that the uh, the Biden administration took over. It was fine. No one's talking about it. Everything is okay. But because you are so owing to the progressive socialist left and they have this open borders agenda 
then you make the faux pas of going in and creating a, a, a catastrophic situation by executive order. And now you don't have a means by which you're going to take care of it. And the important thing that the, the Biden administration needs to understand right now, there's no orange man bad. Yeah. There's no Donald Trump boogeyman out there for people to, to, to look at and have that distraction. Now all that they're doing is saying, we got an issue. We got a crisis. And no, Jen Psaki, you can't circle back to it. You can't say that this is just a challenge. This is affecting people, black, white, Hispanic, Republican, Democrat, independent, libertarian, whatever you want to call it, because you are destabilizing one of the largest states in the United States of America. Well, so, something interesting you just mentioned, it was working, right? Yeah. The system was working. Well, Pelosi says the Biden administration inherited, quote, a broken system at the border. This is from The Hill on March 14th. So they're already deflecting. And I think, you know, I've covered the the, the, the migrant crisis throughout mm -hmm. the past several years extensively. The, the number of encounters and migrant children had dropped dramatically. Incredibly so. Under, under Donald Trump. Yeah. I mean, what we're talking about in the entire last year is what we've already seen in the last six weeks. And so yeah. this is a crisis situation. And, and, you know, again, they can try this deflection, but the hypocrisy becomes absolutely laughable if it weren't so serious. It's kind of like, you know, the Cuomo Kavanaugh, you know, hypocrisy. But they, they can't fall back and say, well, this is Trump's fault. I'm sorry. Orange man is gone. Literally, Pelosi's trying to do that. They're trying to resurrect <laughs> the boogeyman, but it's yeah. just not going to work. You know, you know, banning him from Twitter sure did backfire on the left because Trump would be tweeting right now. He's silent. Yep. Nothing, to, nothing and, to say. And you know what? I would say, President Trump, if you're watching me, remember me? I used to be your congressman because Mar-a-Lago was in my district. Oh. Stay silent. Allow them, as Napoleon would say, never interfere with your enemy when they are destroying themselves. <laughs> what, um, what was this executive order that Biden signed that's screwing with the border right now? Well, he basically has said one of the things was that there will be no deportations. Uh, and our attorney general sued him on that, but he is also, you know, you, getting, you guys won, right? Yeah, we won that. We, we have a stay on that so we can continue to deport. But one of the things that he did was he said that this whole thing about you must stay on the Southern side of the border in order to be processed for your asylum. That's over now. And so now they understand that they can do the asylum processing in the United States of America. And that's why they're flooding in. And we have gone back to the catch and release system where, you know, Everything about this COVID, but yet you had 108 illegal immigrants that tested positive for COVID in Brownsville, Texas, and they were taken to a bus station and they were released. So is the Biden administration serious about COVID? I would think that you would not allow 108 illegal immigrants to there's, just flow right into the state. There's a, there's a lot of hypocrisy. Tons. And, and it's, it's kind of crazy how often we can all bring it up and it doesn't seem to change. But what I do notice is that one of the areas of hypocrisy is the the woke critical race theory type people, the progressives. They use the phrase Latin X, something that most Latinos don't recognize or even use. And what's fascinating is the shift in the southern counties in Texas. Yes. Mainly Latino went for Trump. Yes. Dramatically. That was for a Trump. huge that was a huge story of the November 2020 mm -hmm. election in Texas. Uh, and, and my theory was that kind of like the mentality of paratroopers, paratroopers jump in behind enemy lines. 
And so why didn't we just go and take our message into the areas where they thought they were strong, into the Rio Grande Valley, and talk about our principles and values, talk about the open borders, talk about the illegal immigration, talk about strong families, strong small business entrepreneurship, better education opportunities, not defunding the police, talk about the threats from the drug cartels. And guess what? They're like, yeah. And when you look at the policies of President Trump where you had record unemployment, in the Hispanic community, when you look at the oil and gas industry that was thriving, which meant good paying jobs, black, white, Hispanic, it doesn't matter. Then they said, yeah, we, we like this direction. Now, all of a sudden, this Joe Biden comes in and their communities are being threatened. The drug cartels are being empowered. The illegal immigrants are coming back in, which means a taxing on them and their tax base to provide you know additional services. It means a lack of safety and security. So. They are alienating further this area that they once thought they completely control. This is a big, big story of the of uh, the November election, as you mentioned. The you know Trump winning over more votes for minority communities across the board, most in sixty years. Yeah, that's something to stress. I mean, when they talk about Donald Trump as a racist, then explain to me how he had the most minority electoral support of any Republican in sixty years at running for president. And who did he lose? He lost white voters. Yeah. And so I wonder who is really buying into this this message about immigration. You know, Trump is racist for wanting to, uh, you know, deport illegal immigrants and things like that. Certainly isn't the minority communities that are literally on the borders who are experiencing what happens with unfettered migration. Or the black communities are going to see their wages being depressed, their job opportunities going to be gone as well. And they saw that they were thriving in the Trump administration. But look at it and think about it this way. The suburban white woman that was told again orange man bad he's a nasty person he doesn't like women his tweets are horrible now all of a sudden the suburban soccer mom has to ask herself why is this six foot two gender dysphoric biological male going to be on the soccer field with my daughter that's not what they voted for well they should have paid attention to what they were voting for but but again now that's why it comes back to that poll that you just talked about how a lot of people don't see Joe Biden as being uh, capable of being the president and all of these things that he is implementing by way of the leftist agenda. And and it's going to be the same thing for young people. I mean, I think that with President Trump, you had a, a, a cultural president connected with young people. He was a little rough and whatever, but that's something that you get with a New Yorker. But now you have someone that, you know, if, if you think that free equals freedom, you're horribly wrong. Yeah. One of the one of the main issues that seems to have been lost on the left is the economics of mass migration and illegal immigration Mm -hmm. that even Bernie Sanders was criticizing back in 2015. Here's this guy. He's the champion of the left and the progressives. And in 2015, he said open borders is a Koch brothers proposal. He was basically saying these big billionaire industrialists want cheap Cheap labor labor. with no rights, with no, you know, that they, they can get in there for below minimum wage. And they need these policies in order to do it. Mm-hmm. And there were big scandals. I remember I watched a documentary where some of these companies would bring in illegal immigrant labor, promise them a bunch of money, and at the end of the month, just call immigration and have them all deported. Mm-hmm. And they were exploiting these loopholes. They wanted that that porous border for this for this purpose. But that means these factories were, were actually taking away good paying jobs yes. for low-skilled labor in these areas for working-class Americans. You're absolutely right. And that's why you see the U.S. Chamber of Commerce that it's all about, you know, the open borders and the illegal immigration. That's why you see a lot of these big businesses and corporations don't want E-Verify. 
What is, what is E-Verify? E-Verify is the system by which people are registered and you can track individuals. They don't want that. And so you have... You, you have some partisanship on either side with this this issue. Uh, one, people want to bring in new victim class. They want a new voter base. The other side wants to have a cheap labor base. But in the end, who is getting squeezed and who's going to be the most affected? Your middle to lower income levels, blacks and Hispanics, are going to be the ones to suffer with the scourge of illegal immigration. Man, and- I liked what you said about free does not mean freedom because mm-hmm. we built a system of law and rule that has enabled us to be free f- to experience freedom in mm-hmm. our system. Like you have to abide by a strict rule of law so that you don't get jumped when you're walking down the street and you can feel free outside. Uh, just dispensing with the rules in this anarchic free society does not lead to freedom as we understand it. No, it doesn't. And and when you think about what was going on, I mean, you grew up in Chicago and, and I remember seeing the riots that were happening in Chicago with these Black Lives Matter social justice warriors and they were going in and busting up all of those stores on the uh the the, the million mile Mag- the, magnificent mile magnificent mile and what were they saying this is how we're going to get our reparations that's that a woman <laughs> is actually quoted as saying yeah. that she didn't care when when asked about the right she said this is reparations as far as she's concerned they, there's a video of a guy firing a gun into the window of one of these shops trying to steal luxury merchandise look i'm not a big fan of like luxury brands I think it's, you know, it can be a bit pompous, but I'm, I, I think it's fine. People have that stuff. I don't think someone should go and shoot guns and steal it because they think they're owed something. No. But it was defended in the media. And, and that's the sad thing. And that's the breakdown of the rule of law and order. Remember that, you know, when um, John Locke wrote his second treatise of government and he talked about this thing, you know, that was completely different. It was natural rights theory that was different from divine rights theory. And John Locke came out and said that there are three inalienable rights that we have from our creator is life, liberty and property. And what do you see happening with the left? All you got to do is go to the communist manifesto by Karl Marx. It is about taking away that individual right to property. Here. And that is what you see happening in America now. It's a wealth redistribution scheme that says, I don't care how much you work hard, Tim. I don't care how successful your podcast is. I don't care how well you're doing here, Ian. It is our right as the government to come in and take it away from you and redistribute it to someone else. I, that ain't freedom. I had a good conversation with a, with a, a socialist. I think it was the Socialist Party of Great Britain or something. And uh, they basically said, when, when, when I brought up that point about property, they said, no, 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 you don't understand. In socialism, you're allowed personal property. It's very different from Ooh, private Like a property. watch? Right. So, so when they said they're banning private property, I'm like, so what, I can't have clothes? And they're like, no, 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 that's personal property. Private property is like a building. And I'm like, okay, so let, let's, let's, let's try and find that line of where you split personal property from private property. They were trying to explain that private property in their system means the means of production. The, the, the factory for ah, producing things. Nationalizing production. Well, so here's the question I had. Okay, well, I do my work by filming myself with a camera. The camera is my means of production, my factory, essentially. Should that camera be owned by someone else or should it be my personal property? Didn't really have a good answer for it mm-hmm. because you, there, it's, it's, a, it's a weasel word excuse for some justification for seizing people's private property. Absolutely. Personal property is meaningless. Your shoes. Okay, but what about my car? What about my bike? What about my food, my refrigerator, my home? Where do you draw the line? And they said, ultimately, well, we don't necessarily know. Of course you don't know. Your system is magic. It doesn't make sense. And it's broke. It it has never been successful. And so let's take that philosophy and let's overplan it to the last year dealing with this COVID issue. 
Show me in the Constitution where any elected official has the enumerated power to decide who or what is essential in the United States of America. Show well, they've me done it. Show, but yeah, but yeah. show me in the Constitution, coming back to your statement about the rule of law and freedom. Show me in the Constitution where it says that any elected official, politician, can come to you and say, shut down your business, shut down your livelihood. But yet I will continue to be paid. Isn't the 14th Amendment barring them from doing that? That people must be treated equally Equal protection under the law. Under the law. Yeah. Absolutely. It, but, but see, when you have the ability to redefine the law or fundamentally transform the law and say that, well, you know, we don't really know what it is, but we're kind of deciding as we go along. And if we continue to have, and let me say this correctly, when we morph from being people to being sheeple, we are allowing ourselves to be fear-mongered and intimidated into surrendering our everyday liberties and rights. Remember what Benjamin Franklin said, those who would surrender essential liberty for temporary security will in the end deserve neither liberty nor security. And lose both. And lose both. They won't deserve either. So that's what we're talking about when we say free does not equal freedom. Let if you want something to give you something for free, you're surrendering your freedom to that person. Let me ask you, you, you bring up the Constitution and uh, election, elected officials have a right to tell you you have to close your business. My response is, I, I think the 14th Amendment says equal protection under the law. Yeah. Do you think that's fair to say that these politicians, uh, these states are, are by chance violating the Constitution of the United States? By Absolutely they are. And, so, and, and as a matter of fact, you have had several state Supreme Courts that have come back and said, hey, what our governors did with these mandates, edicts, orders and decrees were unconstitutional. We are a constitutional republic. That means we are governed by a rule of law. We are not a constitutional monarchy where someone sits up like Ramses Pharaoh and says, so let it be written, so let it be done. And we're supposed to all fall down like subjects. We're citizens. And, and I think that's what's so important. If there's one message I can get to the young people. You've got to understand the structure of this government. You've got to understand the roles and responsibilities of the respective branches. You've got to understand your rights, because if you don't, they're going to be just absolutely confiscated. Let me, well, let's, let's, I want to read for you a quote. All right. This is a very, a very important quote from a very smart man who said, perhaps law abiding states should bond together and form a union of states that will abide by the Constitution. Texas GOP chairman Alan West said in a statement Friday night, the Texas GOP will always stand for the Constitution and for the rule of law, even while others don't. Very funny joke. I know it's your quote, but uh, you, you said that. And just in the context of what has been happening, not just and this was in the context of the election and the Supreme Court's ruling. Yeah. Against but, the state of Texas and the other states coming together about the unconstitutional actions. Right, right. Looking at that, looking at the bigger picture, uh, uh, I think it's fair to say we are seeing the Constitution be used. Well, I won't be too disrespect disrespectful myself, but let's just say they are absolutely disrespecting, violating, and turning the Constitution into Swiss cheese. Completely. So you, you had this statement that many said you were essentially calling for secession, and it actually sounds like you were accusing them of secession, you know. You know what this is, right? You got the Declaration of Independence Ooh, right there. And the, yeah. and the Constitution. Wow. Yeah, and see, it's falling apart because, you know, I, you know, I'll take it everywhere yes. I go. So uh, let me see. Let me go to, where's that whole preamble thing? Ah, there it is. <laughs> Beginning. So the, the preamble, we the people of the United States, in order to what? Form a more perfect union. Mm -hmm. And in order to form a more perfect union, what's the first thing we do? Establish justice. Mm -hmm. So, again, coming back to that piece that I wrote yesterday, constitutionalists versus secessionists, the people that are seceding or the people that are violating this document, 
the people that are constitutional and law-abiding, like we saw in this past election cycle, you have several states where governors, secretaries of states, and courts did unconstitutional actions. The only people that can change election law is the legislative branch. Yes. But yet that's not what we saw happen. So that's not a debatable thing. I mean, YouTube is not going to cancel you out unless YouTube doesn't understand the Constitution. But yet we had people that allowed that to happen. Absolutely. And we, so, we, we had numerous instances, I think 24 states, yes. where outside of a legislature, election law rules were changed. And now, that's wrong. Some of these states didn't challenge it. Many of them did. Yep. And somehow none of them got standing or, or, or ruled on the merits. And that's horrible because if you're a state of Texas and you join with 17 other states and you are going to constitutional right, petition your government for redress of grievance against another state, there's only one court you can go to. The court of original jurisdiction is the United States Supreme Court. United States Supreme Court cannot say to Texas that we're not going to hear the case. They did. That's, but that's your job. Right. And so, again, we have this abdication of the rule of law and those constitutional duties and responsibilities. And for those people that want to say that, you know, I'm talking about seceding, well, then what was the national popular vote interstate compact all about? Where these blue states were going to come together and undermine the Electoral College? Okay. They, Violet, which is in the Constitution. Is in the Constitution. So they're the real secessionists. Ian, you had. Yeah, I feel like they're using martial law as like impetus to, to you know, buy, bypass rights and and they're they're acting like covid is such um an emergency that they have to do this now you served as lieutenant colonel and mm -hmm. i imagine you understand the the necessity for martial law in certain situations if we were under attack or if something horrible you know yeah 9 11 yeah worst case scenario power grid goes out invasion yeah. whatever yeah like martial the lights went out in texas just recently yeah, people, yeah, yeah. people no. would be and in the past have been stripped of their constitutional rights you know habeas corpus was suspended abraham but, lincoln yeah so, but this ain't it. This I, ain't it, folks. Uh, okay, let's honestly talk about COVID. We're talking about something that has a 99.96% recovery rate. Okay, even the CDC came out last fall and said that out, out of all the deaths attributed to COVID, only 6% were because of. 94% were base, basically people that died with COVID. They had other comorbidities. They were obese, high blood pressure, heart disease, uh, type 2 diabetes, all of these things. So, Well, so I'll, I'll push back a little bit okay. and, 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 and give my standard clarification. I guess the, the only way I can really break down kind of a middle ground on this assessment is these people would have lived longer had it not been for COVID. So some of these people died of renal failure. And a lot of conservatives have pointed but out. But how much longer? I, I mean, how do we know that? I mean, some, some of these, I mean, you look at the preponderance of the deaths with COVID were above 70 years of age. Yes, absolutely. Okay. So, I, I mean, a, a so very strong majority. Is that, is that the reason why you go in and suspend the constitutional rights of an entire country? Well, so, so here's the point I want to make. Even if it were that COVID was the, the, the number one cause outside of any comorbidity, the answer is still no. Yeah. We, 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 we have to respect as a community when we set certain, we have emergencies. But even when you look at the grand total, uh, I think it's 97.5% recovery when you include those over 70. Mm -hmm. I mean, that's still ridiculously high. Granted, yeah. that, that's looking at a lot of deaths that, you know, 2.5% out of 330 million. Is yeah, but every year you average almost 600,000 with heart disease. 
right? And yeah. obesity. Yes. And we don't, Every year. we don't lock down the country. We don't mandate calisthenics programs. No. We do not shut things down because people are doing things that can be arguably socially contagious, like bad habits. Think bad about eating, how stupid it is. Okay. So we know obesity is one of the things that, you know, together with COVID causes death, but yet we're going to shut down gyms. Mm. Right. Yeah. I mean, keep alcohol stores and not, not, open. Not, not only that, that but vitamin, uh, lack of vitamin D. Dr. Yes, Fauci son, himself said, absolutely. we I'll lock everyone inside. in their houses, yep. yeah. stay inside. And we know that COVID was spreading more inside than outside. Yep. We lock everyone in their homes with no sun, with no exercise, and a higher chance of rate of spreading COVID. What did people think was going to happen? So it, it was... It, but, but see, the, the, the thing, and, and, and again, no emergency is grounds to suspend the rule of law. So what this was, was a grand experiment in control. Well, do you think that you think the Civil War was was grounds for suspending the Constitution? Abraham mm-hmm. Lincoln did it. I know, but I would not have. Yeah, I mean, you cannot suspend you know people's habeas corpus. But you know, the interesting thing is that you had a, a situation where you know we were fighting against each other with, yeah. with with within you know the same spaces. I mean, you know, here we have you know West Virginia and, and you know being on one side, Virginia is on another side, and Pennsylvania is on another side. But still, you don't suspend constitutional rights no matter what. And and that goes back to what Fra- uh, Franklin Delano Roosevelt did with the Japanese Americans with the internment camps. You, I understand the criticality of the situation, but you do not suspend people's constitutional rights. Agreed. But they have put their toes in the water and they found that the water was very receiving. Yeah. And so what is the next step? Well, have you heard of this the Great Reset, the World Economic Forum? Yeah. I mean, I think that the U.S. has been co-opted by the Federal Reserve and, and global banking establishments and they're using our military and our, our economy. And where do you find the premise of central banking? Where Switzerland was, and the Bank of International Settlements. Karl Marx, Communist Manifesto. It's one of the is that books. really in there? It is. Wow. Centralized control of banks, just like centralized control of education, just like progressive tax system. You know, we have a tax system in the United States of America that's based upon the principles of Karl Marx, huh. a progressive tax system. And so, again, there's so much of this out there that if a dumb old boy from Georgia who used to jump out of airplanes for a living, if I can figure this out, you really smart people can figure this out. Well, you, so, so a let, let's. Yeah, I couldn't fly airplanes. I jumped out. Oh, wow. So we'll, let's, we'll have a conversation on this because uh, there are a lot of things that are more liberal or left wing policies that I agree with. But my challenge, one of the things that always leaves me more of a moderate in the middle is implementation. So when I look at the progressive tax, I think about people like George Soros. I think about the Koch brothers. I think about. Uh, that Be- I say Bezos, I said Soros, Bezos, yeah. extremely powerful individuals who have so much wealth, they've actually shut out the working class from the election process. So I'll give you some examples. Mike Bloomberg dumping 500, 600 million dollars into the election. Oh, we saw that with Mark Zuckerberg. Ex- 300 Mark million. Zuck- yeah, yep. into Texas to directly to a, a, a county clerk's office. So no, wow. we, we should not allow that to happen. So- a few years ago, I was very much, I should say for a long, a large portion of my life, I was very much in favor of a progressive tax system where we have a higher percentage for people who make more because of, I guess, arguably called the law of power, right? Power attracts power. Mm-hmm. The more money you make, the easier it is for you to make more money. And this money allows you to invest, reduce risk, live comfortably. If you make $10 million, it's very, very easy for you to make more because you have so much access and things like that. So the argument- see, I would disagree with you. Disagree? Yes. How is it that a kid that doesn't even have a college education can grow up and be a multimillionaire in the United States of America? They can. Yeah. 
And so it's about the equality of opportunity. I, I, what I, you're talking about is the corruption of power. And, yes. and, and, and so what it takes, I mean, much the same as Sir Edmund Burke said, all is necessary, uh, for, to the triumph over evil is for good men to do nothing. So if we continue to have a political elite system, which I think even Ayn Rand kind of wrote about, if we have a political elite system that teams up with the, the corporate cronies and the elites of corporations, like what we see with big tech right now, then you see a usurpation. So my view of the progressive tax was, it, in, a, in a simplistic kind of way, you can create a system that makes it harder for people with extreme wealth to utilize that wealth as an advantage over the working class in the arena of politics. That's my core reason. And, and I agree with you. That, like I said, it's the corruption of power. Right. Here's the problem. Giving the money to the government doesn't solve the problem because now you have another monopoly that has yeah. all of that power. And so you've got permanent uh, bureaucrats that would take that money from the ultra wealthy and then just maintain their control. So, you know, ultimately, while I still kind of view that as a better alternative, simply because there's a, many bureaucrats versus the one billionaire who can flood the zone with mm -hmm. money and shut out the working class. I, I ultimately still see it as a, a problem that needs to be solved beyond. We don't allow them to flood the zone. Exactly. So yeah. that's, that's the other point I would make is maybe the solution is more simply some kind of restriction somehow. I honestly don't know how you do it. Well, on, this is this is spending. where I think this is where I think it, it starts is, you know, one of the things that Mark Levin wrote about in his book, Liberty Amendments, is term limits on members of Congress, House and Senate, because the longer people are up here in Washington, D.C., the richer they get. I mean, ask yourself, how could a young lady from Brooklyn, New York, there was a bartender, have a posh penthouse apartment in Washington, D.C. And you know who I'm talking about. Yeah, isn't it like three grand a month or, or, for some, or more? It's a lot. Okay? <laughs> it's a lot. And so, you know, when I was in Congress 10 years ago, I had a, you know, you know, fully furnished little basement, little, I call it the bat cave. Didn't even have a window. They're, they're, they're members of Congress oh. sleeping in their offices. Yeah. It's a big problem. So how does it, and, and I disagree with that. Uh, so how is it that, you know, this person that was a former bartender now has a posh penthouse apartment over there by Washington Nationals Park. I'm telling you, is this. And so is that is that marrying well, well, of the, the corporate cronyism to the political elitism, that's what we all should come together. How by. do we I, I agree. You know, I hear it from the progressives, I hear it from the young Turks, and I completely agree with them. The problem is, you know, like the Citizens United ruling, which I'm sure you're familiar with, mm -hmm. you know, you've got these super PACs, these political action committees how do you tell someone they can't spend their money to buy a commercial? I mean, it's free, it's a free speech. Well, I don't, I don't mind people buy, you know, buying the money for a commercial. I don't want them buying a politician. Well, how do they do that? You make sure that they cannot buy a politician. You pass the laws like what we're doing in Texas right now in our legislative session that says, Mark Zuckerberg, you don't get to come back in here and dump a hundred thousand dollars in Harris County so that they can go out and number one, try to do universal mail in ballots, which is against Texas election law and they expand curbside voting which is completely against, against Texas election law. So that's what you do. Our states have power. That's why you have a 10th Amendment. It says all of the powers not delegated to the federal government are reserved to the states and to the people. So our states need to assert their powers and make sure that, like I said, coming back to H.R. 1 and some of these other things being passed, constitutional nullification was pretty much so passed in North well, Dakota. Well, let's talk about H.R. 1. Yeah. Right. So it, it, it passed the House. Passed the House. It's not yet gone to the Senate, right? Well, it's over to the Senate. But the thing is right now, this is the concern. Right now, the Senate still, you have to have 60 votes to end the cloture, which means that you can go into the final uh, vote. 
If they change that and get rid of the filibuster, then you got problems. Yeah. Now, what keeps uh, the Democrats right now from going straight to uh, getting rid of the filibuster? Joe Manchin and Kirsten Sinema, West Virginia and Arizona, have said they will not support getting rid of the filibuster. And so we'll see what happens. Well, they can just all of a sudden snap their fingers and be like, yeah, no more filibusters and now allowed. It's, now that it would be 51 votes or 50 yeah. votes in a tiebreaker. Dude, they have and, way the tiebreaker and the tiebreaker is Kamala Harris. And well, see, that's why the Senate was set up to be the upper body of our legislation, legislative branch. And it will require 60 votes because what the founding fathers wanted to make sure, sure, you got the re- representation of the people. That's majority. But over here in the Senate, that's the clearinghouse. So everything can't just get rammed right through. You really have to have a deliberative body. So let's uh, break break down for me, H.R. 1. I, I've read a bit of it. There are some things that I actually like, but there are some really alarming things. It's incredibly alarming because H.R. 1 nationalizes elections. You talk about nationalizing production and confiscation of property. What H.R. 1 does is takes elections away from the states. It says that all across the United States of America, there will be universal mail-in ballots. It says that there will be no voter registration reviews anywhere in the United States of America. No picture ID for voting in the United States of America. Felons can vote. There will be same-day voter registration and voting. There will be online voter registration. And it sets up an independent commission for redistricting. States right now do their own redistricting. Why do the Democrats want to take over redistricting? Because Republicans control 62 of 99 legislative bodies across the United States of America. So the Republicans are control of the political reshaping for the next 10 years of the respective states. The Democrats don't like that. So H.R. 1 is completely unconstitutional. In every way, shape, form, or fashion. Now, of course, the Democrats are going to throw some nice things in there to try to, right. you know, entice you to do it. And they're going to give it a real nice name for the People's Act. <laughs> but, but it is an oxymoronic title with the emphasis on the word moron because what it does, it takes away the ability of states to run their elections. What, uh, the, what the, good stuff did they put in it? I hadn't seen any really. Well, uh, I'm in favor of felons being able to have, have the right to vote. Uh, yeah. You, you mentioned that it sounds like you view it as a negative. I, I, look, you know, I think it was uh, don't do the don't do the crime if you can't do the time. Remember Sammy Davis Jr. saying that for you know Serpico. Uh, there has to be consequences and ramifications well, for breaking our rule of law. You know, I mean, I, I, the way I see it is there, there's there's two really big things for me when it comes to felons. If you commit a crime and then you are you know you're handed down some kind of punishment penalty or something from a judge, you serve your time. For the crime, your rights should be restored. Your right to own a gun and your right to vote, in my opinion. So should, should a rapist be able to own a gun and vote? I think the answer is yes. After they've paid their their debt to society. I can't go there. Well, what if what if they serve? I got two daughters, so I can't go there. But what so if you s- and I are going to disagree on that one. Respectfully. Because first of all, no. you, you know, if you if you did that to my daughter, you, you got to no. deal with me. Right, okay, right, right. <laughs> yeah. There's, there's certain things but there, but, that but, uh, but, you know, you know beyond the courts. I, I, and again, I don't like the blanket one size fits all. You know, if you want to look at certain offenses where if someone does their time, then they are restored. I agree with but that. But to yeah. make the blanket statement, I, I can't. And agree it's state that. by state right now, right? Like so, in some states, felons can vote. Or yeah, I think that Virginia yeah. is one of those mm-hmm. states. That, and you know, I think there's a reason why. I think I think that's actually a really good point. I think there's probably some crimes where you do not get your rights restored. You know, so we, we had a conversation uh, the other day about the uh, Second Amendment. And I said, if the Constitution says your right to keep and bear arms should not be infringed, there's no caveats in that. It doesn't say no. if you're a felon. So as far as I, I can, if, as far as I see it, I mean, while you're in prison or on probation or on parole, whatever it is, 
you are serving punishment. You can't have a, have a gun. Mm-hmm. But I think once you've paid your debt to society, your rights should be restored. Well, again, and, and I would say that if you're a person that went out and committed aggravated assault, you know, if you committed a, a, a gun related crime, I don't know if I want you to come back and get or a spouse abuse or something like that. But let's let's talk. You know, it's a good point that you. Talked I just think about. it's funny that I might be further right on two way than you. <laughs> I don't More. think so. I'm on no. the board of the National Rifle Association. <laughs> right, <you got> me. <laughs> but but you talk about HR eight, which is another thing that just passed the United States House of Representatives. And so think about what HR eight does. Let's say you got a friend that you know is is waiting to get a firearm, but they just had someone break into their house. And you want to, you know, hey, here's my, you know, P365 SIG or here's my Glock 43. Do you know that you're now a felon because of what was just passed? No. Well, well, so it didn't pass the Senate yet, though, right? No, but it's passed in the House. Right. And so, again, you know, we've got to understand when we say it hadn't passed the Senate, but what we have to start thinking about, what is the mentality? What is the philosophy of governance of the progressive socialist left? Because that's what you see happening in the House of Representatives. H.R. 127, H.R. 130. I know that you got firearms here, but do you know that Sheila Jackson Lee says that you cannot have any loaded firearms in your house? What? That's H.R. 130. What's the point of having it? Well, I'm sorry. I mean, I'm the government. Yeah. I know better than you. What's uh, Did it pass the House, 130? H.R. 127 and H.R. 130 have not come up, but H.R. 8 was passed H.R. 8, last week. And, and, and so this bans the private—it effectively bans the private sale of firearms because yeah. you would need a federal background check no matter what. So there are certain places where—I'm sorry, that makes literally no sense. They like to call it the gun show loophole, but yeah. it's literally not a loophole. It's no. just the private sale. So let, let's, let's put it this way. There are many states that allow the private transfer because it makes sense. If you live in—West Virginia is a good example. The middle of nowhere in West Virginia, in the mountains— and you got a neighbor who's, you know, maybe two miles down the road and he's like, look, man, we're getting really bad Coyotes. 30 to 50 feral hugs. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And you're like, well, why don't I sell you this here, you know, firearm so you can keep your property safe, help keep your kids safe and your crops or whatever. Or even I loan it to you. Oh, yeah. You yeah. can't do that either. Can't do yeah. that either. That's and a felony. Right, right yeah. now you can in West Virginia yeah. so long as you're not giving it to someone who is ineligible. So there is still a responsibility on you. If you're like, here, I'm going to you know, lend you this rifle, and it turns out the guy's a felon, now you're in trouble. I'm going to sell it to you. But now, under HR 8, you would have to go to an FFL and then do the, 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 what is it, with the next background check for the yep, individual. The whole thing, 4473. Right, and then go through a standard transfer. Now, me personally, I don't live out in the middle of nowhere, so I don't think, if I was going to do a transfer, I'd go to an FFL anyway, just so it's a clean transfer and my name's off of it. But I certainly understand why there might be a guy who's like, for his brother, I'm going to give you this weapon to guard, you know, the, you know, your, your property or the, the five acres in the back I'm letting you use. HR rate would make that illegal. Yeah. So it's, it's, it's make you a felon. Yeah. Well, it's messed up. I don't Ten like, years. like maybe, crap. like even if, yeah. it, if maybe it could be reasonable if it was like an administrative fine of some sort, yeah, like but, you but, but, but not even that, but think about this. Okay. When my, uh, my oldest daughter was going to Southern Methodist University. She was getting her master's in biochemistry and hamahama because she's really smart, like a mom. And so she had to stay late at night to do, you know, lab experiments and lab works and whatever. And so SMU is located close to downtown Dallas. And so I loaned her my nine millimeter. Said keep it, you know, so that when you're walking out to the to your car and parking lot, you just make sure that you're safe. HR eight makes me a felon yeah, for no. for saying to my daughter here. Take dad's nine millimeter so that you can be safe when you're when you're over there late at night. 
And See, I think this, your your daughter knows how to use a nine millimeter. My daughter has fired a Barrett. <laughs> okay, <laughs> yeah, she's daddy's girl. There you yeah. go. Both of them. And so fifty BMG. Yeah. And so this is my concern. And and again, this is why I'm so glad to be here with young people. Is that you are seeing a slow usurpation, confiscation of your rights by people that have a mentality of a philosophy of governance that has never done anything to promote freedom. You mentioned earlier uh, term limits. I'm a huge advocate for that. Yeah, 12 how, years. How, how would you say? 12 years. Okay, how would we do this, that? This is how you do it. Well, I mean, they're not going to vote for it themselves. Okay. <laughs> and so that's why the founding fathers were brilliant. It, it was almost as if when they sat down 200 and some odd years ago and wrote the Constitution, they said, how can these stupid idiots screw it up? And so they figured out every single fail-safe backdoor method. And so, therefore, they came up with Article 5, which is a convention of states, not a constitutional convention, a convention of states, whereby if you get 34 states and they assign delegates, they can come and they can recommend an amendment to the Constitution, like term limits on federal House of Representatives and Senators. But if you get 38 states... States can actually change the Constitution. States can amend the Constitution. That's Article 5. So one of the things that you should look at is, why are these guys staying up here forever? You know, you know, there are certain states out there that have term limits on their state house members, state senators. Everything's working fine. So if you have 12 years up here, and I base that on two terms as a senator, that's 12 years, six terms in the House of Representatives, that's 12 years, and it's not transferable. You don't get to say, well, you know, I've been over here for 10 years in the House, and now I'm going to run for senator, and I'll get another 12 years. No, it's 12 years total. So we need 36 states. um, 34 states. 34 states. And you can recommend an amendment to the Constitution. And then the Senate would have to. Yeah, the the House and Senate has to vote on it. Uh, So we need 38. 38. And do we need a majority in each state, just 51%? No, 38 states to to come together but, and and vote to have be participant in an Article Five Constitution so, so of states. Theoretically, that that Con- could just convention of that, states. That's I'm just sorry. the legislative bodies. That's just the legislative bodies. Right, right now, I think we're at 16. Huh. Okay, for for Republican states, now, the Republicans control the majority of legislatures. Don't but they? right now, we're at 16. Wow. Well, so so let me let me I, I can loop this back into the gun control thing because you mentioned they could recommend a con- an amendment to the Constitution at 38. They can get it. Second Amendment says the right to keep and bear arms shall not be infringed. Yeah. But in New Jersey, if you bear arms, you will be arrested and you'll be a felon. Yeah. In New York, in, in Illinois, in California, your right to keep and bear arms has been infringed quite literally as worse, as bad as it could be. And guess what? That comes back to exactly what I said. Law abiding constitutional states. That's yep. why I talked about in that article constitutionalists versus secessionists. The people that are going against our constitution, they're the secessionists. I agree. So when you look at a state that is telling you that you cannot have your constitutional right, I don't understand why anyone in any state will sit back and say, well, okay, you don't get to give it and, and take it. Just the same as you cannot tell me as a private business owner, I must shut down my business. There was a, a post on the Donald forum. It's, it's, they changed the name. It's patriots.win now where they were talking about the right to keep and bear arms has been infringed. And yes. there, was a, there was a lot of sentiment saying... Ammunition, magazines, all absolutely. of this stuff. And so a lot of the sentiment I found to be... I'll just put it this way. Uh, I, I, won't, I won't comment my opinion, but people were saying, then express your right to bear arms and, and, and gain judicial standing to sue in defense of the Second Amendment. Absolutely. That's a bold statement no, to but, advocate No, but think for, about you know it. I mean? but, but there are two cases, D.C. versus Heller. 
uh, Richard Heller, and I know him personally, the, you know, was afraid. He just wanted to be able to have a firearm to defend himself in Washington, D.C. They told him he couldn't do it. He went to the Supreme Court. He won the case. Otis McDonald, black man, Chicago, took on the city of Chicago, McDonald's versus Chicago. That was, that, that was relatively recent, wasn't it? That was back in the 80s. Oh, okay. Yeah, back in the 80s. But a black man just wanted to be able to defend himself in his home. And he took the city of Chicago to the Supreme Court. So it's already been done. It's already yeah. been taken. So we have proven that it, it has standing across the, the United States, it has standing in states and local municipalities, but yet we still allow people to undermine the most important right that you have because the founding fathers understood that your First Amendment rights, the freedom of speech, press, expression, you know, symbol, freedom of religion, petition the government for redress of grievances, those are passive rights. If you well, don't have a mechanism to defend and secure those rights, they're going to get taken away from you. The, the, and that's why they have the Second Amendment. The great modern thinker, Dave Chappelle, yes. <laughs> said the Second Amendment is just there in case the first one doesn't work out. And and he's absolutely right. That's an amazing statement. Dave Chappelle's amazing. That's but it's right. absolutely right. Brilliant. And you think about there have been only two instances in the United States of America of revolution. Okay. Uh, and that was the American Revolution and in Texas. And both of those revolutions right. started because of what? Gun control. Gun control. <laughs> the British yeah. were marching toward Concord, Massachusetts to destroy a weapons and armaments factory. On April the 19th of 1775, they were met at Lexington Green because they understood if you're armed, you're a citizen. If you're disarmed, you're a subject. Mm. October yeah. the 2nd, 1835 in Gonzales, Texas, the Mexican cavalry shows up because they want a cannon back that they had given to the people of Gonzales to protect themselves against the Comanche Raiders, because they were hearing about this thing called a revolution amongst the Texans. The Texans replied with that famous response, come and take it. Ooh, wow. Those are the only two instances. And so this is, I, I'm just, all you leftists that are out there, this is a very bad thing that you all are doing. Well, History, so hold on. The, the far left, they're super pro-2A. It's the establishment suburban liberal types there. So the, the larger portion of the left voter, the Democrat voter, mm -hmm. absolutely in favor of gun control. But that element of progressives, the socialist types, I mean, they're armed to the teeth. They might not be as nearly as skilled or well-trained or physically fit, but you can see it on Twitter. They're advocates. Yeah, that's, that's kind of like the guy that was part of an Antifa Black Lives Matter uh, rally down in Austin, Texas. And he had, a, I think, an AK-47. He went up to a, a car and started shaking his AK-47. Oh, yeah. And inside the that's car right. was a, an army soldier. That's right. And he popped him. Yep. So, <laughs> yeah. I, it, look, they absolutely are in favor of guns. But again, they don't seem to be as well-trained. There are some groups that are. There are, there are left-wing socialist and communist militia types where you can tell these guys have real training, but they yeah. are few and far between. Yeah. But if you go to your average Antifa person, oh, they're, they're all about weapons. I mean, they, they show up with explosives. They show up with guns in Portland. And lasers. And lasers. Yeah. Yeah. But we recently had, there was, there was a story of a woman who was in Portland during the riots. She had a, she had a, I think she had like a Glock 17. They want guns. You had that guy. Um, what was the guy who went to the ICE facility in Tacoma? Oh yeah, Willem uh, yeah. Bronson. Mm -hmm. Yeah, he 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 had himself a a ghost a, a ghost gun yeah. that he brought and was using against a nice facility. These are leftists. This guy was a vowed antifa. Mm -hmm. But see, the thing is that, and and you you delve into another subject, is that what antifa or Black Lives Matter does, it's going to be acceptable. But if you have the 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 constitutionalist, the law abiding legal gun owner, those are the people 
that the other side does not want to have the exactly. firearms. Mm -hmm. And so there's a hypocrisy in that uh, regardless. And I think that is the danger that we see. So there, from the, there was a uh, sorry, the, the military perspective, if you were looking at this like a combat situation, would you then infiltrate? The Black Lives Matter Antifa segment so that you could utilize it to overthrow or propagate your victory? Well, I mean, that's one of the forms of maneuvers, infiltration. But we already know who they are. We already know what their structure is. I mean, look at the, the, the silliness of the fact that, you know, Facebook, Twitter and all these other guys, they want to kick, you know, conservatives off of these platforms. But yet Antifa, Black Lives Matter, they're still operating on these platforms. I mean, the the, the Iranian mullah over there, uh, Ayatollah right. Khamenei is still operating on Twitter. So, uh, again, we know everything about them. It's so interesting is that. That all of these folks that were participating in January the 6th, their houses are getting raided. They're being picked up just like that, being arrested. All of these folks that we see over a, a year or more that have been doing these you know, attacks, raids, and continue to do so, nobody's arresting them. There, there was this uh, thing that happened with a journalist at the New York Times named Taylor Lorenz, Tucker Carlson. It became this huge story. And I took the approach of, you know, we shouldn't engage in this kind of, you know, specific name calling. I understand you want to be critical of a journalist because of the, the, what they do. But I, I was pointing out that you've got to go after the ideas and the institutions, not yes. the individual. Now, a lot of people told me I was wrong. They said, Tim, they started the fight and we're fighting back. And my response to this is, after everything we've seen with the, the January 6th people, they're getting, their, they're getting their house raided. They're getting smeared in the press relentlessly. Some of them can't even get lawyers. And I'm, I'm not talking about the worst of the worst. I'm talking about the bumbling Just lady. Day, yeah. At what point did you think that you were fighting symmetrical warfare where you are on an equal footing with your opponent? You're not. You, it's, it's a double standard. You're second class. If you protest, they call it a violent riot. Oh, you're Antifa, an insurrectionist. And, and if Antifa shows up with guns and firebombs a federal building for 100 plus days, they call it a peaceful protest. So at a certain point, you have to realize that the media apparatus will villainize you no matter what you do. And you've got to be very, very strategic about how you approach this understand the rules by which they play and exploit them for strategic victory. But if you throw totally mud, right. you throw mud the same way they do, you're, you're, you're doing what they want and they're winning because they made the rules. It reminds me of like, it, it very much reminds me of the matrix. Yes. You've got the idea of the blue pill, the red pill, people who are in the narrative, people who aren't. And the agents, for some reason, super fast, super strong. But as they explain in the matrix, they still have to abide by all of the same rules. Mm -hmm. They explain that Neo who somehow gains the abilities of these agents is just understanding their rules mm -hmm. and controlling the matrix in the way that the agents do. Once you realize that, then what is it? When he said, what, what, is it, what does Neo say? You're telling me I can dodge bullets? No, I'm saying that once you realize how the media narrative works, you won't have to. You won't have to. Yeah. And that's one of the things that, you know, Lydia and I were talking about is, you know, read Sun Tzu. Yes. Definitely. Because you have to have a strategic mindset to understand exactly what you said. Find the gaps. Find the means by which you can exploit the other side. Find their weaknesses. Because if you continue to have the frontal assault mentality, huh. you're going to get gunned down. All you got to do is ask Pickett about that charge he just did You, you know, know, right up there. I'll tell you, one of their weaknesses, the Grammys. If you really want to get through to these people, write a hit song and play the Grammys next year. <laughs> Because that's what they need right now. Well, so at the Grammys, they did a pro-Black Lives Matter, pro-Riot performance. Mm -hmm. They had Tamika Mallory come out and say, we don't need allies, we need accomplices. Oh. I mean, it's, it's outright advocacy for the violent riots. And, and, and so the interesting thing is when you hear someone say Black Lives Matter, and this is something I want to tell everybody out there, the first thing you should respond is say, which Black Lives Matter? Hmm. 
That's right. Put them totally on defense because does Candace Owens matter to these people? No, I don't think so. I don't you, matter. You don't matter. That's right. The the twenty million black babies that have been murdered in the womb yes. since Roe v. Wade in 1973 don't matter. The the blacks that are killing themselves in gang violence in Chicago, where they don't matter. The 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 young black kids that are being locked out of schools because of these teachers unions and they're falling further, they don't matter. And so again, when, when we have to take that title and find a way to flip it on them and put them on the defense and just say which black lives matter. I mean, I, I will say strategically, for for one, I think it's probably obvious to you the abortion argument never works because it's just. The, the, the view of what constitutes life to the left and to liberals and conservatives is different. But see, this is what I say. I say, okay, so you guys are so woke and, and everybody's a white supremacist. Everybody's racist and all this kind of stuff. Well, who founded Planned Parenthood? Margaret Sanger. A white supremacist, mm-hmm. a racist who spoke at Ku Klux Klan rallies, referred to blacks as undesirables and weeds. 73% of Planned Parenthood clinics are in black neighborhoods. Well, Al- so Al- why, why, Alan, is she, why is she canceled? They did cancel her. Who? They they disavowed Margaret Sanger. Who? The Planned Parenthood. Who? The 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 people who had planned numerous people at Planned Parenthood like came out and said, you know, we apologize for this and yeah, denounced their own history. They shut down. Yeah, why didn't it shut down? <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, that's not actually uh, like cancel culture may be a thing well, for, see, that was, for but you. It, no, but but see, that's they can disavow it. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. So if you're going to go out and, and think about, it, okay, so Black Lives Matter. So why did you? allow people to tear down the statue of Frederick Douglass mm. in Rochester, New York. Why that did you allow really, them? That's one of the few things that really got to me, especially. Well, it got to me, too. Frederick I mean, Douglass was amazing. He was an incredible man. Yeah. Well, why would you allow the, the monument to the very first black man that wore a uniform for the United States of America, the 54th Massachusetts mm. Regiment, to be desecrated? Did you, Who was did it? Did you see? Huh? Do you know the guy's name? No, the, the, this council culture, they went and desecrated. The, or, do you the, know the name of the, the, the guy in the statue that got torn down? Frederick Douglass. Oh, he was the first <laughs> black dude? No, like no, the 54th Massachusetts Regiment was the first black unit. Oh, now, I mean, yeah. these yeah. were slaves and freed men that did fought you, for the United States in the Civil War. Did, and they desecrated their memorial did you in see Boston. The, oh. Did you see the video of the two white Antifa women spray what painting the? on property? And the two young black women are like, what are you doing? Yes. Stop doing this. And they're like, don't worry, we're helping you. <laughs> Yeah, you ain't helping me. No. As a matter of fact, there's a great book by Jason Riley. It says it's called "Please Stop Helping Us." <laughs> no, it's it. serious. No he's way. he's a Wall Street Journal. That's uh, a great title. Popular. Yeah, please stop helping so, us. So uh, something I often bring up uh, uh, my experience in Ferguson, and so for those that are you know listening, you may have heard me tell the story, but I, I'd love to tell it to you, uh, Colonel West. I was in mm-hmm. Ferguson during the riots, mm-hmm. and I witnessed young black men linking arms to protect the convenience store as people were running around and looting. And they were begging. They were saying these people, uh, telling uh, a journalist, Sebastian Walker, for at the time Al Jazeera, now for Vice, was there. And he said, what are you doing? Tell me what's happening. And this, this young black man says, we live here. Yeah. These are our, 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 this is our communities, our businesses. These people who are looting and rioting don't live here. Yeah. Gets a phone call. And he gets all, he's like, oh, it's my mom. Seb Walker, he's like, don't worry, I got this. And he takes the phone and I'm standing there. It's one of the like just most profound, amazing moments I've experienced in a riot. This journalist takes the phone and he's like, yes, hello. Yeah, I'm with your son. No, he's being very responsible. He's a very good young man. And like the dude who was guarding the convenience store from the rioters, his mom, he's getting vouched for by this journalist. It was amazing. But you know what happens next? An article gets written called In Defense of Looting, which said that those people who came to victimize this community 
were actually just lashing out against white supremacy. This individual then later wrote a book about it. And this person, of course, is a white progressive Mm -hmm. who knows nothing about this community and what they actually wanted and was being exploited and destroyed. I remember during the peak of the Black Lives Matter riots, we had that rapper. I think his name was Big Mike. Basically just exasperated saying, why did you come and burn down black businesses in Atlanta? This is not about Black Lives Matter, no. but that's exactly what they were doing. And that's why you should respond, which Black Lives Matter. You know, I look over there, you got on that uh, piece of art, then I'm afraid you ain't black. The George, mm-hmm. the, uh, the, the, uh, the G-Prime one. Yeah. yeah. How how utterly condescending yeah. and disrespectful that was from Joe Biden to say that if you don't have this mentality, if you're not going to allow yourself to be a victim, you're not black. It's either like racism or just idiocy i think maybe probably both it is both oh god racism is idiocy but the you know i love it when you hear the democrats talk about systemic racism well let's just look at their history the the purveyors of systemic racism in the united states of america has always been the democrat party okay in 1961 i mean i'm you know again going back to the logan's run thing i'm a little bit of a relic there's not probably too many people that you can find that were born in a blacks-only hospital. That's I'm you. one. Wow. Which one? Hugh Spalding Hospital in Atlanta, Georgia. I grew up in the old Fourth Ward. That's Dr. King's neighborhood. Wow. And so I kind of know a little bit about being black. And I kind of know a little bit about equality of opportunity versus equality of outcomes. But when we have a party that has systemically throughout history done everything they possibly could to destroy a certain community to now the, 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 the mechanism of destruction is economic enslavement, not physical enslavement. Now the mechanism is to, to, to try to have this soft bigotry of low expectations, but you still get the same result, victims and enslavement. And so when, when, when people, it's just unconscionable to me. When I hear the Democrats and the people on the left and they have these, you know, modern day, you know, gatekeepers called, you know, Jesse Jackson, Al Sharpton and the Congressional Black Caucus trying to keep people as victims. It it just turns my stomach to hear them try to lecture us about being racist. Have have you seen what's going on at these universities? Well, absolutely. The return of segregation. Yeah, Absolutely. I mean, why would why would you want to sit around and say, well, we want the black student union. We want this and we want that. We want separate graduation, separate graduation, separate proms and schools. I mean, why are we going backwards? I I think that it's this is maybe it sounds going to sound crazy, but a the communist Chinese party, uh, Chinese communist party is intentional. They they used to go after Han supremacists. We had James Lindsay on last week. He was telling us about Mm -hmm. this. And it was all about supremacy, Han supremacy. You're either Han supremacist or you are Han or, or not. And so now it's white. Now the word is white supremacist. It's all about dividing. And I, I mean, they say they play the long game. This is like a 30 year, 60 year psychological trauma. They're, they're establishing trauma on, on our Well, psych- if you go back and, and listen to Joe Biden's speech, Joe Biden's speech was not about unity. Joe Biden's speech was about conformity. Mm. Joe Biden's speech was saying we can be unified if you conform. And if you don't yeah. conform, now you're a white supremacist. And oh, by the way, we're declaring war against you. So Joe Biden, the, the incoming president of the United States of America, stood there and basically said that they are declaring war on the 74 to 75 million people that didn't vote for them. That's that's the ideological civil war that we're in. And when you start to look at some of these le- pieces of legislation being passed out of the House of Rep- H.R. 5, the Equality Act, H.R. 5 has nothing to do with equality. Mm-hmm. 
It has everything to do with a, a progressive ideological agenda that takes away your freedom of speech and your freedom of religion. What is it? H.R. 5 basically says that the LGBTQ agenda has been codified in the law. If you speak out against it, if you are passionate, you, 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 you know. Speci- specifically, yeah. it adds uh, it's gender, a protected I- class. gender identity as a protected class in yeah. the 1964 Civil Rights Act. And there's a lot of muddy waters. This is very different from when we, you know, when we, when we litigated non-discriminatory actions, it was one thing. And this is the argument we have in here is to say a gay couple wanting to get a cake. It's a different thing to be like, well, you can do whatever you want in the privacy of your own home. It's not our, our business to interfere with that. So you deserve protection, equal protection under the law and things like that. With the Equality Act, it would actually, it opens up things like high school athletics to biological males. So so women's sports will now be opened up. Title IX is done. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so it's done. It will be done. Uh, what's if, Title Nine? Title Nine is women's sports, women's athletics. And so and scholarships and scholarships. Yeah. Uh, as a matter of fact, there's the case of these young girls up in Connecticut where two uh, gender dysphoric biological males are competing in the 100 meters or 200 meters. They just blew them away. They broke the record. Can we they just the make, I mean, it's a little pie in the sky, but like new sports, like you could have male sports, female sports, transgender no, male no, sports, no, transgender no, no, female no, no, sports. No, you're, 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 you're Neanderthal. Is it because there's you're not enough? Wrong. I think I am part Neanderthal. <laughs> you're just I bad. I do the DNA. And you're bad. Joe Where's your heart? It's right here, baby. But don't you care I, about them? Yeah. Who cares about women's rights? I do. I care about human rights. So, so actually, let's 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 do this. Let's yeah. jump into this story about the the U.S. Army. So. Oh uh, yeah, I know where you're going. So I mean, you're you're <laughs> you, you might be uh, you may be an expert on you know the armed forces. You know, having uh, actually been in them. But we have the story from uh, this is from Lad Bible. For some reason, I chose Lad Bible. Huh. U.S. Army could reverse gender neutral fitness test yeah. as research finds women struggle. So. I've got, I've, 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 uh, well, I've had family in, uh, I, I come from, I actually come from a military family. Everyone but me basically was either married into or served. And I remember hearing stories from, I, I briefly lived just, uh, just off of base housing in Fort Eustace, uh, Fort, uh, is it Fort Eustis? Yeah, Eustis, yeah. yeah Virginia. Newport News. Yeah. And I also briefly lived on Fort Carson in, uh, oh, yeah. near Colorado Springs. Oh, I know it very well. Heard a lot of stories from people who had no problem bringing up men or women that women have a different standard. Now, first that, of all, you know that in the House of Representatives, you can't say men and women. They got rid of that language. Yeah, that's, that's Nancy Pelosi's rule. She got yeah. rid of gendered language. What's yeah. the situation now? What do you say? They, them? You. Yeah, you. What? How is that woman still? But anyway, anyway so let's, 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 we'll stay on yeah. the, the military thing. <laughs> so, I, you know, I remember hearing stories from people who went through basic training and they would say, you know, the women would complain and be given special leeway and things like this. There were certain medical issues that women had to be granted special access to facilities that men didn't get. And so very much were, were given special treatment. Apparently, at some point, they wanted to do gender neutral testing. And my understanding, correct me if I'm wrong, they were saying that it used to be that women did well in women's specific testing. And that means they would get promotions. Once they went through, once they implemented gender neutral testing, where it was even for both males and females, the women were struggling to score well against the men and not getting the promotions, thus creating inequity. Disparity, inequity. Inequal outcome. Yeah. See, women had the equal opportunity to compete in the same tests. Yeah. But because the standard was standard, the men just tended to do better on physical tests, meaning the women weren't getting the promotions. So now they're, they're apparently going to reverse this. You you told me that you had stories, you knew people. I don't know what your thoughts on this would be. Well, let me let me put it in this context. 
why do we have men's downhill skiing and women's downhill skiing? Pretty innocuous thing. I mean, why don't we just have men and women competing in downhill skiing? Why do you some, have, something? Something for some reason, men can spin faster, jump gravity. higher. Yeah, you have men's figure skating and women's. I'll, I'll, figure, I'll, why, why do you have men's hockey and women's hockey? Men's basketball. Women's, men weigh more. Bone density. Uh, uh, all the those shape things. of the hips. Oh, okay. Yeah. So why is it that when it comes to your national security <laughs> that you want to say that there's no difference? I don't get it. Okay, we we are we are very, we are in serious trouble when it comes to this. Listen. Yeah. I I am absolutely all for Look, trans rights and LGBTQ rights and the respect of the individual and equality under the law. But we have but, to be but real. Let me tell you something, Tim. In the United States military, I could put a guy out for being overweight. You cannot join the military if you have flat feet. Yep. So now all of a sudden we're going to say, and this is what the American Psychiatric Association calls it, gender dysphoria, a mental condition. So now we're saying that the United States military has to accept people with a mental condition and then provide them hormonal therapies at the taxpayer expense. What does that have to do with our national security? That's another one of these feel-good things. While, as you just talked about, the Chinese Communist Party, they're building their army. They're growing their hegemonic dominance. They're expanding their navy. And we're over here saying, why can't we be fair and have more equity well, and, and let everybody play in the sandbox? I, I have tremendous respect for everybody who serves or wants to serve. But I, I think that... Someone who's overweight could find we, we could find a role for them that's a net positive for us. We don't, they don't have to be in combat. And they don't have to be in maybe one of these standard positions that require the physical fitness. But I certainly think trans people as well as overweight people could we could we could absolutely find them to be a net positive for our armed forces. But now you're telling me that the United States military has to accept someone with a condition, a mental condition determined by the American Psychiatric Association, which means they're going to have to provide counseling. They're going to have to provide hormonal therapies and all of this type of stuff at the taxpayer expense. I don't think that's what the military is, is in existence for. The United States military is a volunteer organization. We have to have standards. We have to have rules. We have to have, you know, guidelines because we are not looking at being a Everybody come and join and play. That's not what the United States military is as a voluntary organization. Now, if it was a draft organization, that'd be something different. If it was an organization where we had obligatory service, then that's something different. But let me let me just put it in these terms. I'm 60 years of age. I'm five foot nine. I'm about 206 pounds. This morning I got up and, and I knocked out three and a half miles, did my you know push-ups and crunches and everything. If you put me in a ring with Ronda Rousey or any, you know, mixed martial arts. Yeah, you know, they probably could get in that kick on me because, you know, I'm 60. Maybe I'm a little slow. But if I get one punch to their head, what's going to happen? You know, I defer to uh, Joe Rogan on this one. And, uh, you know, he talked about this quite a bit. They got mad at him for it. But he pointed out that men have b bigger hands, stronger grip, bigger joints, and striking It's my power. bone density. Yeah. density. It's all of those things. Well, and projecting so power. I, I twitch muscle twitch I think, fiber. I, I think there is an fiber. issue if we are displacing strong, able-bodied individuals with people who are not fit to serve for a variety of reasons. But I also think that you know, in my personal opinion, there you know, I look at say like a trans man, someone who was born female is on you know therapy and is now a you know trans man. I think there's a, there's a there's a net positive to anybody who's willing to serve this country, and we can we can find a way to make that work. Now that be, that being said. I also understand biological differences between male and female, 
And I think there are reasons why we tend not to have women in combat roles, though I think now we do this is right in the... In, that came because of the Obama administration. Once yeah. again, it's about the social engineering of our military. Let me tell you something. Uh, a bullet doesn't know male or female. There's no yeah. doubt about it. But the one thing that my number one standing order when I was a battalion commander and we ended up going to Iraq in 2003, my number one standing order was keep your bayonet sharp. And why did I say keep your bayonet sharp? Because you never know when you're going to have to go into close quarter combat with the enemy. That's right. That's, so, yo, I got so, a question so, so, well, well, along so, those lines. Well, you, as a leader, uh, as a commander in the military, now, if a woman were to be in a commander role, do you think you need the biggest, baddest dude, like the tough, strong men to be commanders? Or could you get small female commanders that would be as good or better than men? Do you think there's... Well, I will tell you that... There is a, an example of leadership that, without a doubt, is necessary. If you're going to be a commander of combat troops, you got to kind of look like a combat troop. And, and let me put it in this perspective. If I walked in here with you all today and I said that I'm a retired Army lieutenant colonel and I had, you know, I'm not picking at you, but I had hair like yours, Ian. Oh, and, oh dear. <laughs> no, you see, but if I had hair like yours, Ian. And if I had a little pooch belly and everything like that, when you kind of look and say, scratch your head, say, man, he don't look like a. a well, no, no, be honest. Be honest. Well, let me, let me just, I'll just make a point. No, right. be honest. Would I, would you say in the back of your head, man, he don't, you see, he's Liddy. definitely retired. <laughs> well, see, so you, you yeah. remember, you see what just happened with uh, uh, Tucker Carlson and that Marine? I know exactly what just happened. You got with accused Tucker of being overweight, out of shape. You know, and, and again, I don't think that we should have the United States military senior officers and senior listed uh, men attacking a news personality. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I agree. See, that that, so, that goes against, you know, we're supposed to go, be protecting freedom of speech. Let, 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 me, let me say something in regards to like this, the, this, you know, army testing and stuff. I've been skateboarding my whole life. I'm sorry, but I, I, I actually worked with uh, some individuals who are part of an organization. I'll, I'll leave their name out. I don't want to get anyone, anyone to get dragged, but... Uh, I, I had a good friend who was one of the best female skateboarders in the world at, at a certain time period. I went to the X Games, VIP access, and we got to hang out. And she was a really good friend of mine growing up. And I got to listen to a top female pro tell these young women they will never be as good as the men. I actually took issue with that back then, saying, like, if you may believe that, but don't discourage people. Tell mm -hmm. them to strive to be the best and and to view that as competition to be better. But when you look at, you mentioned skiing. I'm thinking skateboarding. There's no question. You watch men's, you know, X Games skateboarding, and you'll notice a very obvious difference between the male and the female skateboarding. But actually, uh, I actually took some basic first aid training. I've actually done hostile environment training, so I got a bit a bit more extensive. And when I was younger and trying to learn some of the basics of first aid, because I'm 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 in, you know I skated all the time, and my my mom feels like it's important. You should learn some stuff. Google it, and you know I did. I learned some things about sports. Women are more likely to suffer knee and ankle injuries skateboarding than men. Yeah. By, because of something called the Q angle, which is the hip, the wide hips of females means that their femurs ha are at a wider angle than mm -hmm. men's, which means they're more prone to joint injury than a man is. And the same hips. thing in the military. When you start talking about going for a 12 mile ruck march and you've got 60 pounds on your back and really in combat, you're carrying a whole lot more. But you get the you see the sustainment of those injuries because there is a physiological difference. Now, coming back to what your question said, Ian, I want the best possible person to be out there as a leader. But the thing is that you've got to be able to lead and accomplish the exact same task that you're asking your troops to be able to do. When I was in combat, 
I was right up there hooking and jabbing with my guys. If there was a X percentage of my unit that was dedicated to a combat operation, I was out there. Okay. And, and so that's the thing that has to happen. You know, combat is not about social engineering. Combat is not about equity. Combat is about you against another person and killing that person. That, you know, that, that's, that's what war is. War is hell. That's what William Tecumseh Sherman said. And as a matter of fact, it was a Nathan Bedford Forrest. And hopefully no one gets upset because I'm quoting a Confederate general. But Nathan Bedford Forrest is war is about fighting and fighting is about killing. That's the bottom line. It's not a computer game where you're sitting back and you got a bunch of drones or whatever. The bottom line is someone has to be on the ground and point something at somebody else and eliminate them. Now, and that's what we need to be thinking about because that's what the national security of the United States of America is now, all about. Now, I'll say something that will probably offend a lot of the left where I'm actually trying to make a point in favor of women in the military is that there's that saying, we heard it recently, was it um, soldiers march on their bellies? Something to that effect? Yeah. That you need to keep a, a, a military uh, well-regulated in terms of their equipment, not in terms of law. You need to keep them well-fed and like a well-oiled machine. When Tucker Carlson made these comments about, you know, flight suits for pregnant women, uh, I disagree with him. I think that, you know, a, a, a lot of these jobs, and I was explaining, this was explained to me by a lot of people, there's a lot of logistics, there's a lot of administrative work. Hey, look, I can't fly a fighter jet, and there are female fighter pilots. I can't fly a helicopter, and there are a lot of female attack helicopter pilots. I was just a dumb old paratrooper that jumped out of airplanes, and, and I was a, a, an artillery officer. And what I am saying is that, yes— there are positions and duties out there that people can serve in, but there are still standards that say your body and your physiology will only allow you to do X. And so if we want to start having women as Navy SEALs, if we want to have women just as Green Beret, just pass the same doggone yeah. test mm-hmm. that everybody else is. Absolutely. Don't, the, the, and, and don't have what we have seen where all of a sudden there's a, altering of rules there's a you know adding of more chances and opportunities to get out there and try to accomplish something because oh. a lot of the guys don't get that i want to i want to give you my thoughts on the on the transgenders uh, uh serving the military issue you know you mentioned that there, it, the, the dsm-5 i think says it's a it's a mental condition and that's actually been uh staunchly advocated for by many trans individuals because it grants them access to medication but i, I digress I, I, there's, there's a lot of people who say you have diabetes. Uh, legitimate question is, would that, would diabetes prohibit you from enlisting or serving? Absolutely. In, it would. Yeah, Epilepsy, absolutely. all yeah. these things. Yeah. I mean, you know, heart murmurs, sleep apnea. I had one of my captains in Iraq, you know, had. But is that just combat? Could you, could you run an administrative role? Could no, you yeah, drive, drive a vehicle? No, but, but, but maybe. But again, what are you doing? You're creating two separate classes. And I mean, you, but well, and you let's be see, fair though. You can't. The create, Navy SEALs are the best of the best of the yeah, best. Yeah, but you cannot. Yeah, but you cannot create two separate classes where we say, okay, you can go be in the fat boy unit. Yeah. Well, see, <laughs> uh, no, no, I'm serious. You laugh, yeah. but but let me tell you how brutal it is in the United States military. Well, the military I grew up in. You the fat boy that, that falls out of run. Oh man, you gonna hear it. But you become the ripped boy soon, don't you? You better. Yeah. If you want to stay in. Yeah. So what happened with they'll, the captain? They'll, they'll, I'm sorry. They'll throw. What happened they'll, with the captain with sleep apnea? Yeah. They'll, so if if you're if you enlist and you're overweight, and well, if you enlist 
Okay, you're going to have to meet height weight standards before you can ship out the basic training. Interesting. And even when you go to basic training, you're still going to be monitored and you mm-hmm. still have to make those height and weight standards. Okay. And, and, and again, you know, on active duty, you got to continue to have your height and weight tests and your body fat examination. If you don't make it, then you go. I don't care what level that you rise to. Now, what happened to the captain in Iraq? I had to send him back home. Oh, geez. Out of the combat Sleep zone. Sleep apnea. Was it like Sleep um, apnea. And, and, and you, you don't know how hurtful it was for me as his battalion commander to look at this kid who had tears in his eyes begging me not to send him back, begging me, telling me that he, he'll make it through even though he can't get sleep and everything. But I was was seeing, he Was he overweight? No, he wasn't overweight, oh. but he, he had sleep apnea. And I was seeing how it was affecting his duties because he couldn't get sleep. Messy yeah, well. that's true. And, and I couldn't have him go out there, and the next thing you know, he's a detriment not just to himself mm-hmm. but to someone else. And I had to tell him, i got to send you back home. So you need the best of the best of the best, the cream of the crop, top of the top. Well, I mean, you got, you got tip of the spear. you got SEALs, yeah. Delta Force, or whatever. And then you got, you know, your everyday soldier, sailor, airman, marine. But you've got to still have maintained certain standards through, throughout did, that strata. Did the captain get honorably discharged or did he just of get moved Of course he got honorably discharged. But he, he didn't get moved to a civilian or like a, a non-combat role. He was just actually discharged from the military? Yeah, he, he ended up being discharged from the military because it wasn't treatable. Mm. Wow. But he just couldn't be in the, machine, but he couldn't be in the combat zone. And and when you talk about what Tucker was was bringing up about the, the pregnant soldiers, in 1995 when I was stationed in Korea, I was up on DMZ and it was called Area 1. And in Area 1, before females got, you know, shipped up there, they had to take a pregnancy test. Because why? You could not be sent into Area 1 with pregnancy test because we were the tip of the spear. You, you were, you were in a deployed yeah. zone. Now, guess what will happen? Sometimes, you know, little boy soldiers and little girl soldiers, uh-huh. they do little things, you know. <laughs> and, and the next thing you know, you get a, a, a pregnant female soldier. But you know what the Army will not allow us to do? We couldn't redeploy that soldier back. Even though now that she's pregnant, she's non-deployable. She cannot wear a gas mask because that can affect her. She cannot. So she has to stay up in Area 1 for X amount of time. And then I think at the fifth or sixth month, then you could. What would the Chinese do in that situation? The Chinese, I don't think, uh, deal with that. Do they even have female soldiers? I think they do have female soldiers, but uh, I don't think they're in their frontline troops. Yeah, Um, I think they're, they're much more bigoted. I think the left would call them. Well, as a matter of fact, I read an article recent where the Chinese were talking about they need to have uh, non-feminization training for males. Yeah, Mascul- yeah. Mascul- yeah, masculinity yeah, yeah the training. masculinity training. I mean, they are looking at what is happening in in the West, and they're saying, "We don't want that." Yeah, you know what? That you know yeah. the the advantage they have over us is actually the biggest detriment that their people suffer is the authoritarianism. Absolutely, it's an advantage for to a point. To a point, right. Yeah. I, I had a conversation with my an anarchist friend of mine years ago where I said that it is, it is much more efficient in many ways, an authoritarian regime, because they snap their fingers and they impose their will where we deal with bureaucracy. Granted, mm-hmm. it's a despicable way to live full but you, of but you know, atrocities. And you and I were talking about this before we came on air. This is the downfall of an authoritarian regime. It restrains and restricts creativity. Yep. And we saw that. You know, that was one of the things about our military as opposed to the Soviet model style is that our young troops could make a decision. Our young troops were trained. When you think about, you know, all of the wars, you know, it's a sergeant here, it's a corporal there that is able to do something. Whereby when you have that authoritative system, and that was the big problem we had in Afghanistan. 
in training their army was that even if they were in a firefight with the Taliban, they wouldn't take an action. And I said, well, what are you doing? Well, I have to wait for the call from my commander to do something. I said, they're shooting at you, okay? <laughs> take an action. Yeah. And, and that's, that was something that, that they had to learn, but they grew up under that Soviet mentality. So well, that's author- happening now. It is happening now. So US. an authoritarian regime, like what you see taking place here, where it's telling you what you can wear, what you can eat, what you can think, what you can drive. It there, may sound, again, free does not equal freedom. I, I've hired people, and uh, I'll tell you the story. I'll give you the story from a buddy of mine. He started a company. He was doing social media management. He made some posts on the internet looking for some you know, people to help me run these, these social media websites for clients. Must have a college degree. Well, the people with college, degree, with college degrees have salary requirements, so he hired them. He said that he would get his phone be ringing off the hook from people with problems. Hey, I got a problem. They, they posted this. Hey, I got a problem. The company wants this. What do I do? What do I do? What do I do? Eventually he said, if you can't do the job, then I need to find someone else. So he yeah. fires them. Puts another post up. Needs, needs somebody who knows social media can, can run marketing, must have a college degree. What is, what happens? Same thing. Phone call after phone call after phone call. Well, now he's out of money. He spent a bunch of money training these people. He wasn't getting output. So he just said, looking for people who know social media, 10 bucks an hour. He gets a couple people who had moved from middle America to California to find their dream in acting. Mm-hmm. And he says, he says, here's the job. Go for it. Not a single phone call. Now he's worried. Uh oh. They, something must be going wrong because they're not telling me anything. He comes back. Everything okay? It's all good, boss. And he was like, no problems, no problems. Well, there was this one thing from one of these restaurants, but we took care of it. And so what he said was, these young people that moved from the middle of the country to California of their own volition with no college, with no education, took the initiative. It wasn't the college degree. It was that they knew they were confident in themselves to figure out and solve this problem. Whereas the people who went to college were the people who did what they were told by their parents and now they're, you know, 24 with no experience in the real world and they're panicking because they don't know how to solve these problems and they're asking you to solve it for them. Why? The kids who went to college would always go to their professor or their teacher yeah. and say, what do I do now? Yeah. And so what I see happening in this country is a lot of that from college. People Absolutely who are indoctrinated right. into saying, tell me what to do. But it's not even the college level. It's happening down in high schools and middle schools. And this is one of the things I don't like about this standardized testing. Because what standardized testing is doing is, is creating robotic thinking. You know, you, you, we have to teach you to be able to pass a test. We're not teaching you to have critical thinking skills, to be an independent thinker. And then, of course, we, you know, you need to go to college. And if we make college free, then everyone goes to college. And then what happens to the productivity of people? That's exactly what happens. One of the things that I would always talk about when I was in the military, I want a person, I want a soldier that's a fire and forget weapon system. That's what you're talking about. It's a fire and forget weapon system. So it's the same as when you take that, that, uh, that pistol or that rifle and you pull the trigger. As long as you have aimed it in the right place, the bullet's going to hit the target. Mm. And so that's the type of people that we should be trying to develop or fire and forget weapon system individuals that understand critical thinking, that understand independent thought. And we're rewarding them for being independent thinkers. But what progressivism, socialism, statism, communism, Marxism, whatever you want to call it, what it is creating is a collective group think. You know, when I came in here, you had Star Trek, the next generation. Love it. Star Trek, the next generation. Remember the Borg? Oh, yeah. yeah. Okay. What was the Borg? The Borg was a collective body. No individuality whatsoever. What did the Borg say? Resistance is futile. You will 
Your, what, what, what is it? Your you technology will and assimilate. Your, assimilate. No, no, your technology and your culture will be assimilated. That's it. Resistance is futile. And that's exactly what we see happening, young people, is that you have this collective mentality and mindset that does not want you to be a fire and forget weapon system. It wants you to be part of a cancel culture. It wants you to be part of a social justice warrior, you know, clan or whatever, you know. You've got to be able to go out and think and do and, and, and be able to survive on your own instead of sitting around for the authoritarians to say that we're going to give you some free health care. We're going to give you some free college education. What's fire and forget? That's like you shoot and you just you just accept it's done. It's exactly, you're on to the next it's exactly what he said. Hiring someone that you tell them, here's your task and purpose. And they got it. Oh, yeah, they don't no come feedback. back. They don't come back and keep bugging you. Mm. You ever read the, the thing Message to Garcia? It's a Negative. little short pamphlet. Read the, the, the little Message to Garcia. There was a, a, a gentleman by the name, the, the gentleman in the military that was chosen to, to deliver a message to a, a, a Cuban fighter named Garcia. Where's Garcia? You just got to find him. What does Garcia look like? You'll figure it out. <laughs> and the guy took the message and he found Garcia. And you know, that's you, what we want. And you know what I've, I've experienced when I hire, I've hired college grads? I've been told you have to tell me what to do. No, no joke. No joke. I hired someone once yeah. and they were like, what do I, I hired them for a specific job, administrative role. And then I remember one day, one day they came to me and said, I don't know how to do this. What am I supposed to do? And I was like, if I knew how to do it, I would not have hired, hired you, you to do it. Yeah. So listen, you've got all the time in the world. Figure it out. Reasonably, I expect you to figure it out quickly. But I understand this, like you, you go to school for certain things. I understand you can learn. This specific program was not something you learned in college. But you can spend the day figuring out the software. They couldn't do it. Yeah. They just said, just tell me how to do it. I don't know how to do it either. And and that's why, you know, back when I was growing up, the old folks down south, they used to say, that boy got a whole lot of book learning. But he ain't got no common sense. Mm -hmm. And that's, that's what they right. were talking about. The difference between knowledge and wisdom. Absolutely. Absolutely. And so if there's a threat that I see for us as a country is getting back to that sense of rugged individualism. And getting back to that sense of I can and not sitting around and waiting for someone to tell me what, you know, what to do, because that collective mentality will always destroy. Yeah, nation. I feel like we need like an emergency to whip people into that frenzy of do it. Well, we I, have, well that's we why y'all are here. Yeah, that's why y'all are here. And that's what y'all are doing. That's what y'all are professing. That's why I was. I, look, I am so humble. That you guys would, you know, ask me to come up for that gun tech. No, no, look, look, this is this is awesome because, you know, again, this is that Logan's Run moment when you find <laughs> the old guy out there in the sanctuary and you bring him back to the to the young city, yeah. and they impart all of this wisdom. Tell you, man, I want to start a new political movement, party, whatever. I don't care about party politics, but I want to involve yeah. the brightest minds. Do a popular win, like it's just his popularity contest it, it, at this point. Make Tim president; I'll be the vice president. <laughs> Never come help us, happen. advise us. And maybe, maybe I don't want to do it, can, but I feel like make, it has to you happen. You guys can make me secretary of defense. Let's yeah, do it. Yes. Okay. yes, I know I'm, some people I'm, we I'm, could I'm bring on. Never going to be a president or a politician. I don't. Maybe we That's don't need me. a president. Like it's when, just a when, new, a better but, system. But this is the movement that you all creating because you are a bright and shining light. Like it says in the Bible in Matthew chapter five, you're the shining city that sits upon a hill. You're you're that. You're that light that sits on the lampstand that you cannot put a cover over. And you guys have got to continue to get this message out here because that's my concern. Remember what I said? There was once upon a time when I could sit down with my parents mm. and watch the Grammys. Mm -hmm. I can't do that. 
I, I, there's no way that I, my daughters are 27, 24. There's no way I would have sat with my that daughters. That would have been really awkward. It was just totally awkward. Performance yeah. from Party B. Yeah. With totally like awkward. I can't sick. sit down and, you know, and, and watch. I don't even, some of these Super Bowl uh, halftime shows, I don't watch it with them. Yeah, and, I couldn't, and, and so I couldn't we, watch it alone. Well, so yeah. here's, here's the, the, hard to watch. the Grammys is a really good, uh, uh, I mean, issue to bring up in that our culture is completely fragmented and divided. You know, you're, you're here saying this is the message. We got the message out. And I, and I think about some of the things that we've talked about in terms of the armed forces and t- especially in terms of the, the transgender issue. And I mean, those are extremely divisive topics where you, you even challenge some of these orthodoxies on the left and they get violent. There are certain things, sure, where we've seen people on the but right. But you know why they get violent? No answer. That's right. Yeah. A hit dog, my, my dad used to say a hit dog will holler. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's the, uh, when people can't find a logical course of action, they, they, they become angry. Right. Yep. But if you're giving it the spurs and it has a place to go, it's not yep. going to scream. It's just going to go. Yep. But it, my, my concern is when you look to the Grammys, when you look to the establishment, the, the major marketing companies, the social media companies, they're the Borg. They're the ones who are saying assimilate or else. Yeah. And, and many of these people that we used to see on YouTube, we did it. We did a members only segment the other day about this. The anti SJWs, we called them. Some of them have just capitulated and given in. And now they won't necessarily agree with everything from the woke establishment, but they're certainly no longer critical of the establishment. They've like shifted gears and now they go for soft targets because they're scared. They're scared the machine will come for them, will destroy them. If, if we don't have people who are willing to stand up and be on the front line. There are then- more of us than there are of them. And I truly believe that. And and one thing that my mom taught me was that a man must stand for something or else he'll fall for anything. And so to those people that are running away from their, you know, fundamental principles and values, you know, you can never acquiesce, compromise, appease, or negotiate enough with the, the, the far left, with, with these the, the, the woke council culture. There's there's nothing that you can give to them which will ever satiate their appetite for more control and more power. So at some point in time, you're going to have to make a stand. At some point in time, you're going to have to say enough. I mean, Pepe Le Pew, <laughs> Speedy Gonzalez, Joe Biden is Dr. more Stefan Molyneux. I don't get it. No, no. Uh, Joe, Joe Biden is a bigger abuser than Pepe Le Pew was. Like you, you can see the videos of Joe Biden Dude, grabbing the women and what's sniffing her name? them. Uh, Tara, Tara Reid. Reed? Yeah. I mean, that's what and, and still and these, on the table. And these, and these stories were buried. And Pepe Le Pew is the offensive thing, but Cardi B yeah. is not. Listen, listen. Pepe Le Pew was prancing around saying "Mon Chéri" or whatever. Yeah, I learned a little French from Pepe Le Pew. And, 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 and listen, I mean. listen. No, no. But look, if you yeah. want to criticize old art or old cultural yeah. tropes, I got no problem with that. There are a lot of things from the twenties we don't we don't show these days, thirties, forties, fifties. That that's fine by me. But don't come out with this Cardi B stuff. Which yeah. again, I also honestly don't care about. I won't watch it. You want to do that? You yeah. can do it. I'll oh, be somewhere weird. else. Yeah. But listen. How are you going to show that and then claim Pepe Le Pew is the more, you know, the Dude, bad thing? I don't know. That's a good well, question. That's well, question. Uh, you know what I think is going to come from when you look at comedians out there like Jerry Seinfeld and others that are saying that this has gone too far. I mean, Mel Brooks and 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 the movie Blazing Saddles, you can show Blazing Saddles. I love that was the first R-rated movie I yeah. was allowed to watch. You I wasn't allowed Blazing. to watch any. I mean, just, but my dad let me watch that yeah, one. Yeah, because it was so good. It was just hilarious. Just what a good. I mean, how yeah. long? How long until Quentin Tarantino gets gets oh. banned? I mean, come on, that dude uses racial slurs every chance he gets. It's it's in his movies. Well, it's in it art de- context. It depends but on if he bows down to the gods of the left. I don't think he will. Well, no. I don't but like. Ma- the, but maybe the, a lot of them do. A lot of them do. So, but 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 think about it. Sarah Silverman. 
has come out and said this is yep. too much. Uh, well, I mean, she got Bill canceled. Maher. Yeah, Bill Maher has come out, and, yeah. and you start listening to some of the things that he's saying. You know, it's going See, I too like, far. I, I like Bill Maher. Um, I think he's got Trump derangement syndrome, and and he spent he's too wrapped up in. You know, let me stop there. It's the blue pill and the red pill. People think red pill means you're Republican. It doesn't. It means you've recognized the narrative from the media is you know often yeah. complete BS. Bill Maher still believes too much of it, but it's like he's in that you know blue pilled room looking out the window and kind of seeing the freedom. And recognizing the problem, but he, he, he doesn't break through. It takes him a long time. Yeah, and, and eventually he will come around because, again, there is no Trump boogeyman out there. And the further and further they get away from the Trump boogeyman, all of a sudden they're going to reach out and see, this ain't working. Well, they're trying to do Tucker now. Brian Stelter. Oh, yeah, He's yeah. like, Tucker is the new Trump. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. All right. All right. Let's, uh, let's go to Super Chats. We got a lot of people who are got a ton of questions for you, and a okay. lot of people really seem to love you a lot. Yeah. So if that. you haven't already, smash that like button. It really does help. And you may notice that we have the it's it's the Diamond Hands Gorilla T-shirt where he's he's wearing a suit. He says, "I'm a gorilla." He's got money in his hand, sunglasses, and he's smoking. This is our homage to the GameStop stocks crowd, where they have that meme about the gorillas from Planet of the Apes and. So we turned our shirt into that one because we thought it was funny. You can get that. And uh, if you go to TimCast.com, click the shop button. And we're also going to have a really awesome exclusive members only segment later today uh, at around 11 or so at TimCast.com. But let's read some of these super chats. And if you really do like the podcast, share it. Leave us a good review. All that good stuff. We got this from the Civic Nationalist. He says, to Lieutenant Colonel Allen, thank you for your service to your country and continuing to serve your country from two para PTE to the Yanks. Your enemy of your country is never going to stop. What are you going to do to stop it? Well, you know, without a doubt, you're going to continue to fight them uh, on this ideological battlefield. And I think that being on a show like this and bringing out these thoughts, perspectives and insights, everything that I have in my head, imparting that wisdom so that you can empower people to be able to fight in their own respective spaces and in their communities and what have you. So that's it. It's all about leading by example. And then I think if folks can see the courage that I display to stand up to the uh, to the left, then they will be inspired to be courageous as well. We have one. It's just a general compliment. Raymond Field says, you made my night by having one of my favorite people on. I love Alan West. Uh, thank you very much. There you go. And then we have Ty, uh, Tyler Bachman. Thank you, Timcast IRL crew. Your show helped keep my mind off of a recent breakup. This is my new favorite podcast. Well, if you really do like it, smash the like button, share it, all that good stuff. Really appreciate it. Keegan Devlin says, thank you for this guest. After last night's show, last, uh, after last night's show, this is the hero we need. No. Look, man, I, I, I genuinely respect Rucka for coming on because, uh, for those that don't know, a lot of people weren't, weren't thrilled with that show, didn't like it, didn't want to hear what he had to say, but we have to have hard conversations. A lot of people really like you, uh, Alan West, and, and your ideas and opinions, so they definitely hear, are here for it, but I think it's very important to listen to people you don't like, and I, I do it often. I pull up progressives and people I disagree with. I follow them on Twitter. I try to make sure I understand what they're thinking because sometimes they have good ideas and it's important to find that commonality if we're going to build a better future as Americans. It's also important to understand where we disagree so I understand their arguments accurately. I think a lot of people on the right like me because I'm trying to be honest and honestly represent sure. people of all different stripes. And that means I follow a bunch of progressives, I follow a bunch of conservatives, and I think we got we to gotta, you know, have those conversations. Well, I will tell folks, um, if, if I could recommend several books to read. You've got to read Saul Alinsky's Rules for Radicals. Definitely. You have got to read Karl Marx's Communist Manifesto. You've got to read Frederick Bastiat, The Law. And you've got to read Alexis de Tocqueville, Democracy in America. 
So I would say read those four books because you've got to understand who you are, what you believe in. you got to understand the other side, who they are yeah. and what they believe in. That's right. Joshua Brewer says, could you ask Colonel West in what era he thinks the Democrats were the worst? Civil War, New Deal, Jim Crow and segregation, or this new form of, de- uh, of destruction, which is all three of the others combined? I think it's the new era that has started since Lyndon Baines Johnson and the Great Society programs. Because what you have seen happen when even though I was born in a blacks only hospital, uh, almost 77 percent of black kids had mommy and daddy in the home. Today it's only 24 percent. So I think that this modern post uh, postmodern liberalism, progressivism, socialism of the Democrat Party's forwards. Is it accurate to refer to you as Colonel or Lieutenant? Is it Lieutenant Colonel? You, West? you can is call it, me. You can call me Colonel as long as there's not a full Colonel around. They'll take offense to that. Ooh. <laughs> but yeah, but you can right. just call me Colonel. Chairman? So. Is that does that sound weird? That's funny. Chairman. You know, or Chairman. I, I'm not. You, you know, servant is the best one. Husband is the best one. Father is the best one. And Grandpa, come May. Grandpa. Oh, congratulations! Hey. Hey. There you go. Yeah. Nice. Congratulations! Yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, Erica Baum with just a, wow, this is a really uh, amazing compliment. Tim, you filled Rogan's YouTube void. This guest is legit, and I'm so happy to see Mr. West here right now. Clap, clap, much respect. (laughs) Thank you. I mean, people really love Alan West. Wow. Holy S, it's Colonel West. God bless you, sir. Been on the fence with enlisting in the National Guard as E4 with my degree. However, now Biden, thoughts, advice? Well, it depends on what state that you're in, because first and foremost, you're going to be serving that state. And so, you know, regardless of who's in the White House, serving your country is a great thing. You know, when I, when I was in the military, I did eight years under Bill Clinton. Was it easy? Absolutely not. But I was still serving my country. And that's the most important thing. And the great thing about our men and women that serve, they don't take an oath to a political party. They don't take an oath to a person. They took an oath to the Constitution of the United States of America. And on 31 July 1982, I said, I, Alan Bernard West, West, will support and defend the Constitution of the United States of America against all enemies, foreign and domestic, that I bear true faith and allegiance to the same, that I take this obligation freely without any purpose of evasion or mental reservation, so help me God. The great thing about that oath, my dad took that oath as a soldier in World War II. My older brother took that oath as a Marine who served in Vietnam. I took that oath, and my nephew took that oath. And now he's a lieutenant colonel in the United States Army. So So there is nothing greater than saying those words and meaning it and serving this great nation. And that's what I fear, because even police have a a similar uh, oath to defend the Constitution. Too many people don't really mean it. That, That worries me. If we ever get to the point as a nation where we're not raising up the next generation of men and women who sincerely want to serve this country, who sincerely, as Abraham Lincoln said, not too far away from here at Gettysburg, are willing to make the last full measure of devotion so that we can give them the increased amount of devotion. If we ever get to the point where we're not raising that next generation, then I'm worried about America. But I still see the young man such as that one right there. What do you think about the grand commander, supreme commander, commander in chief being left up to a popularity contest? I am very concerned because once upon a time, uh, you could not be the president of the United States of America if you had not said those words that I said and served in uniform. As a matter of fact, uh, back in the mid to late 1970s, uh, I think it was close to 80%, 75 to 80% of the people that serve in the House and Senate has served in the uniform. Now that number's like 18%. Wow. And if you think that there's a difference, there is a difference. Because there's something about willing to lay your life down for something 
And then you get the opportunity, like I did, to go and serve the country and still defend and honor that oath. But you do it in a suit and tie. You do it in one of those institutions that you swore to defend. We got to get back to that. We got to get back to citizen legislatures and servants. You have you ever watched the or read Starship Troopers? Of course, Casper Van Dien. There you go. Service yeah. guarantees citizenship. Service guarantees citizenship. It's interesting that they call that idea fascistic. This idea that you well, would earn your your right to you know vote and participate in civics by agreeing to serve your society. I don't think it's fascistic at all. I don't think it's fascistic at all, and I don't think it's a far-fetched theme. I think that when you look at really, you, you want to talk about the one percenters? It's the people that have served this country in uniform. Less than one percent, I think it's like maybe 0.6 percent, have done a full 20-year career Wow, to the United States of America that are alive today. That's your real one percenters. And I would just challenge any young man or young woman to be a part of that real elite group of people. I, I just see these powerful interests manipulating those good people. You know, I, I have, uh, like, like I mentioned, I lived just off of Fort Eustis. I had a mm -hmm. lot of friends who are, you know, my brother, obviously, and um, my sister married in. I was in Fort Carson. I met a lot of really awesome people, brave people. I've met a lot of humble people, you know, particularly in, in Newport News who would tell me they don't consider it like, you know, a lot of people like you're a hero for serving. And they're like, oh, come on. I'm, yeah. You know, it's a job. I'm, 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 I'm right. I understand. But they're they're humble. They're regular people. And they are willing to take greater risks. And, mm -hmm. you know, uh, especially those who fight in combat. But then I see this big machine, this political elite machine of people who are millionaires, who don't serve, who don't care. And they manipulate the good men and women in uniform. And, for and that's personal the thing, gain. Ian, is that if we want to see a difference in our country. There has to be a difference in us as the voting electorate so that we don't see it as a popularity contest. We are looking for servants. We are looking for leaders. We're looking for the person that we believe would lay down their life for this country. All right. Let's read some more. We got um, Urban Lagoon says, hey, Tim, been a fan since forever. Love Alan West. Also, I served four years in the Army, also from Northeast Ohio, Ian. Rust Belt flyovers for the win. Can I get a shout out for my first skate edit, Bad Hair Days, and it's D-A-Z-E, on my channel? You got it, buddy. All right, we got this. Uh, Joe A says, I wonder how Colonel West views the purge of radicals in the military. That, that was is horrible. I am so Pelosi. concerned. I am so concerned about this because we are instituting the policy of political officers in our military. We're putting commissars in our military. And so when we start to have people that are talking about purging and looking through social media accounts of men and women in uniform, but only for conservative sites. That's right. That's cancel culture. You're politicizing our military. And, and that is a very, very dangerous path to go down because our military serves our constitution. They serve this country. They don't serve a political party. And I don't want to see us to have some type of Soviet style military. So well, that's, 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 what I worry about. They, they That's what they're that trying to implement. In some of these stories, they said that people who had like posted images of the Gadsden flag on Facebook yes. were getting pulled from, yes. from D.C. There is a there is a, a, a chaplain at Fort Hood, Texas, who on his own personal Facebook account posted that he did not agree with the uh, gender dysphoria, transgenders, you know, openly serving in the military. He was brought up in the investigation. Wow. On his own personal. Now, he's a chaplain. Now, he, that's his freedom of religion, freedom of speech, and what have you. And now they're investigating the chaplain. So I'm very concerned about the I, politicization of our military. I think we they want to create a monoculture. Of course right? they do. They want to get rid of anyone who challenges their orthodoxy. It's the Borg. Right. Resistance 
is futile. That's only, what only, they want you to believe, that resistance is futile and you will assimilate. But we don't have to. So long as we keep having these conversations. We and got we a, will. We, we got a, a chat here from Christopher McHatton. He says, Texas resident and conservative. Thank you, Lieutenant Colonel West, for your service to the country. How can I get involved in state politics, particularly ousting Clay Jenkins from his Dallas County judge position? Hey, I'm all about that because I live in Dallas County, too. (laughs) He says, I want to get involved in the campaign against him, but don't know how. Okay, I will tell you to please go to the Republican Party of Texas website. And one of the things you can immediately do is to go to the uh, drop down tab for legislative priorities and start getting involved in our legislative priorities. But also the Dallas County Republican Party. Let's start looking at our local level elections that will happen on May the 1st. City Council, school board, county clerk, county commission. Those are very important. Clay Jenkins is not up in this election cycle, but in two years he will be. And we need to get it rid of Clay Jenkins. You want to talk about a despotic Hmm. uh, ruler uh, in Dallas County? Clay Jenkins is an example. Alexander Olson says, I propose the new name for SJW, social justice or cancel culture, be hate machine cult culture cultist. All it does is deconstruct, demoralize and demonize and destroy. The result is division, deprivation, despair and death down with the hate machine cult. I agree. I do. I'm all about individual freedoms, liberty, respect, and that includes people of all different backgrounds. I think uh, people deserve equality under the law, but I just think it's the authoritarianism. Like I, I like I, I like a lot of true social justice. Only need be called justice, just justice. Just justice. You don't have to. You don't have to qualify justice, right? And just it's, make sure that it is equally administered all across the board. They use they say climate justice, yeah. social justice, housing justice. And really, it's just uh, uh, it's just a manipulation to make you think you're fighting the good fight. You know? the, the, the economic crisis of 2008 came because of housing justice. When Jimmy Carter in 1978 created the uh, uh, the Commercial Reinvestment Act, which basically said everyone has a right to own a home and government got involved in the you know, private mortgage industry. Thirty years later, you had that economic meltdown. Subprime mortgages, all of that stuff. In reference to the guns, uh, the gun uh, conversation, Nick Seamus says, make NICs available to the public. That's the NICS background check. Does that make sense? Do you think? What do you think? People could use it. And then if they want to do a private transfer, they could access it. As long as there's some second check, you know, just the same as when you go to buy a, a firearm, there's always a second check of that 4473. And one of the problems that I think that we have out there is uh, a lack of of review of, of that NIC system. The uh, the shooter down in Sutherland Springs, Texas, who went in and shot the church up there, First Baptist of Sutherland Springs, he should not have been able to purchase a firearm. He was a fe- he was a felon. He was disarmably discharged from the United States Air Force, but yet he did not properly answer on his 4473 and he was not caught and he was able to purchase a weapon. So it is not us, the legal law abiding system citizens. It's the system out there that we have in place that needs to be corrected and fixed. Yeah. G Perez says, don't always agree, but great show to uh, Lieutenant Colonel West retired deep strike and ABN troop here. God oh, bless man. deep strike. What do you think about the loss of Judeo-Christian ideals in the U.S.? I think that this is a very big concern. That's why H.R. 5 is is very uh, threatening to that very first liberty that you have. There's a reason why the founding fathers put the freedom of religion and the free exercise thereof as your very first right in your Bill of Rights, because they saw what happened in England when the head of state made himself the head of religion, head of church. 
And that's what Thomas Jefferson talked about in that letter to the Danbury Baptist Convention about separation of church and state. It was not to have so much of that authoritarian power concentrated in one person that said that here are the laws and here is religion as well. He wanted to make sure that they stay separated. So it is so important that the religion of the left it does not supersede our Judeo-Christian faith heritage. You know, uh, I, I grew up Catholic for a few years, and uh, then we went to public school, kind of lost a lot of that. But I, I, I know a bit, I, know, I knew enough that when I looked up things like Blackstone's formulation, yeah. I understood the root being the story of Sodom and Gomorrah, and mm-hmm. if there's but one righteous person. It's interesting to me because we talked about this, I think it was with, um, who did we talk about this? It was one of our Catholic guests. Seamus? No, it wasn't. It might have been Seamus. Or Drew. It may have been both, actually. Yeah. This idea that even though many liberals don't understand this, like I'm talking about 90s and 2000s liberals, they like to say, like Bill Maher's a good example, like religion doesn't make me a moral person, but he was raised in a society that has for a long time held Judeo-Christian values. Yes. And while I think it's fair to say you might be secularist, you may be atheist, I think it's important to realize that people, they often don't understand this. I, I know this because I've actually looked into... What are one of the ideals that we hold as a liberal society? Blackstone's formulation, mm-hmm. innocent until proven guilty, the right to a trial by jury of your peers, things like that. It is rooted very much so in these values. What Ten we've commandments. What we've basically done yeah. is we've, we've, we've come from a, an age where we had a bunch of bad ideas, but some good ideas. We kept those good ideas, got rid of some of those bad ideas. And every generation, we've been keeping the good ideas. Now it feels like we're entering this period where... We're starting to build up bad ideas and get rid of the good ideas. Yeah, and that without to me is doubt. worrying. And, and it even talks about that in the Bible when you will call bad good and you will call good bad. And I think that we're entering into that phase. And, yeah. you know, when you hear people say that there is no objective truth, uh, I kind of disagree with you. I mean, two plus two does equal four. Well, they're, they're and, saying and it's math, five now. You saw that, And right? math is not racist. You, you, you've seen them say Oh, two, I know. I know. That's but, the most insane thing. But I don't want that person to build a bridge. What they're doing is they've actually argued two plus two sometimes equals five, and then they add a bunch of qualifiers that aren't a part of the equation. Well, that's common core math. Well, so one of the things they've said is, what if it's 2.9 plus 2.9? It's like, well, then that's a different equation. Now it's 5.8. Exactly. (laughs) (laughs) And you you can round it up to six. I mean, if you want a whole number. They're trying to argue that there could be hidden decimals and that if you're thinking critically, the answer could be different. But the problem is... You're giving a straight form. You know, I I would tell this to people, look, there's a window in front of me. What happens if I take this rock and I throw it at the window? When it's going to break. Very likely the window's going to break. We can recognize maybe sometimes it doesn't, but come on. You throw a rock at a window, window breaks. Well, again, Maybe it's bulletproof. Again, that comes back to what the old folks used to say down south. That boy got a lot of book learning. He ain't got no common sense. I make the argument that one plus one equals two, but in base two mathematics and binary, one plus one equals one zero because there's only two decimals. There's a zero and a one in binary. And that's fine. There are no twos. You would basically say one plus one in binary and then ask them for the answer. You would say. Well, if you don't, if you just ask the question, what's one plus one and you don't tell them what base math they're in it could be one zero it could be two but it's the same quantity right so here's it looks they're looking at it in a different way the the issue is they're literally arguing that you have two apples and two apples you put them together and all of a sudden an apple appears out of nowhere that argument's nonsense they're arguing that language defines our ideas and they're trying to deconstruct math that's true though well, the language does right, right, define listen. our ideas because if you and I are looking at a six from here, I'm going to say it's a nine. You're going to say right, it's right. a six. But the idea is we can call it one or we can call it blorb. It represents the same value. 
simply because language may be different doesn't change the fact that there's a certain value. And they're trying to argue that there could be hidden values in equations that aren't a part of the equation. But I don't want, I don't want to rehash two plus There are two four people five, in you know? this room. That's a good point. There are four lights. Uh, you know that reference, yeah? There are four lights. No. Next yeah. generation. Okay. This Picard was captured by the Cardassians and they were torturing him. Oh, man. Demanding. You're really, you're testing he's a Trekkie. Uh, yeah. He is. He's, he's all the way. Yeah. So they were demanding. He's, he's torturing him. There are four lights. And he goes, how many lights are there? And he says, there are four. No, there are five. And Picard refuses to say, he's like, there are four lights. It's like 1984. Yeah, they were trying to force him to do it. And we're living 1984. Mm-hmm. Definitely. All right, we got student of history. He says, with all due respect to both of you sizing each other up on 2A, I must ask, where do y'all stand, uh, stand scale from one to Abrams MBT? <laughs> Me personally, I read the <laughs> shall not be infringed part of part and go, yep, seems legit. Although I also recognize a, the well-regulated militia. I cannot fit an Abrams battle tank in my garage. <laughs> I, I would, I would love to, but I cannot fit it. And, and plus, it's, it's a, it's a crew serve. And right now, uh, I have an empty nest, so it's only my wife and myself. And I don't think she could drive it. And she definitely couldn't be the gunner. Can you legally own it? No, you don't think so. No, I don't think so. Now, if you're a museum, and, and if you have something, now, yes, you could, you could purchase something like a, a, a tank or, or what have you. And, th- and then there's some still restrictions on it's, what you could do. Cause there's some people here locally, I know that have a museum. They have M60 tanks. Oh, we, things. we, we, have, there's a guy who drives around not too far from here with a World War II Jeep with a fifth, full auto 50 BMG mm-hmm. on it. And, he doesn't keep it armed, doesn't keep ammo with him or anything, yeah. but he, he lets people come up and, and oh, check sure. it out and stuff like that. Sure. And, and I'm sure he's got a special permit for it. I, 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 there's an interesting argument here in that during, during the, the revolutionary era when they were coming up with these ideas, people owned private warships. Yeah. They were privateers. Exactly, exactly. Privateers. So, I mean, they understood that concept. Yeah. People had these things. Yeah. What's the difference today? Well, uh, I don't know. I don't, I don't know. I know that. I don't know if we, you know, yeah. You can legally own a tank. I'm, I'm trying to think, you know, can can a person, you know, have a little patrol boat? I guess they probably could. You you can legally own a tank. My understanding is you just can't have an operational artillery, but you can have guns mounted on it and things like that. And they're yeah, you can't you can't go and load it up with any sabo rounds. Yeah, okay, yeah. you can't have one twenty <laughs> millimeter sabo round. But yeah, Woo. you could have. Yeah, I know. <laughs> and let me tell you, thirty years ago, thirty years ago, right now. Operation Desert Shield, Desert Storm. And let me tell you something. There ain't nothing prettier than seeing an M1A1 Abrams battle tank take out a T-72 at like a mile away. Wow. <laughs> I mean, it is just a beautiful sight. That's physics, man. Isaac Newton was made the beautiful British Empire take over people, the world because of physics. Yep. We got, people absolutely love you, man. I oh, mean, yeah. we got... West. The, the, the hurricane says possibly the best episode ever. And yes, I'm considering Alex and Michael in this decision. Oh, Michael. Uh oh. He's going to be upset now. No, probably not. And then, uh, Joey Ward says the Tim best interview I've ever seen. And I listen every day. Well, you know, we get, we, we were graced with the, the presence of Alan West. It's an honor to be here. I mean, we're grateful that you're here as well. All right. Here we go. DJ Madero says to Lieutenant Colonel West from Bend, Oregon, quote, there are two sides to every issue. One side is right and the other side is wrong, but the middle is always evil. Ayn Rand, quote, P.S. Navy veteran, my grandfather was a U.S. Marine on Wake Island in World War II. The world wonders. Well, you know, one of the things, and it's funny, I mean, Lydia and I were, were discussing this. In the Bible, in Revelation, it says, you either hot or you're cold. If you lukewarm, I'll spew you from my mouth. But also, my dad taught me this. My dad was such a, uh, an insightful man. He says, son, 
The only thing in the middle of the road is roadkill. <laughs> <laughs> and that's why I always Well, you're talk. talking to me right now because I'm the guy on the fence they always complain about. You're, you're going to be roadkill. Maybe. make a decision. But I, I think a lot of people... How to call. Well, I'll tell you this, though. A lot of people are like, Tim's on the fence. And the reality is I'm not really on the fence on the issues of freedom, liberty. And you're a constitutionalist. If you tell right. me you're a constitutionalist, you're not in the middle of the road. Right. There are certain issues I am definitely in the middle of the road. You know what I mean? They call me the milk toast fence sitter as a joke. But I think that's more to do with... I'm, often I'm trying to explore ideas and not push my own on other people. And I, I respect you so much for that. And that's one of the things that, you know... I like to come on the shows where we can have that intellectual discourse and exchange because, again, you know, you only get stronger if you swim against the current. Right. Otherwise, you, you're just loafing on an inner tube going downstream. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, that that's I mean, it's easy to go. I'm scuba diver. It's easy to go scuba diving, and do drift diving. You don't have to kick. You don't have to do anything. Let the carrot just carry. It's fun, you though, right? It's fun because <laughs> you don't have to exert any energy, but you don't get any stronger. Yeah. All right. We got LKA Zawarudo says, Alan. I am a native Texan, millennial conservative, woman, and attorney. How can I get more involved in public policy in Texas and help keep our state from going insane? If I was in the military, I would not want a job I'm not physically ready for. Well, once again, uh, you have some great organizations there. You got Texas Public Policy Foundation, uh, conservative, you know, center right or group. And, and again, follow us at the Republican Party of Texas. Go to our legislative priorities because we are in our 87th legislative session, which will end at the end of May and drop down the digital playbook that we have created for our eight priorities and look and see how you can contact your state house member, state senator and get engaged in that process. And, uh, you know, I always tell young millennials and Texas, that William Barrett Travis, the man who commanded the Alamo for 20, for 13 days, was only 26 years of age. Yeah. People don't realize, you know, Thomas Jefferson, wasn't he like 26 or whatever? Young man. Wrote the Declaration of Independence. Incredible. Yeah. See, that's what we, that's what this show is doing. This show is making sure that we have that you know, next generation of Travis's and, and Jefferson's and others. And I'm going to restate what I said like the other day, but we got to have that generation of people who are willing to get on a boat for three months Sailing, you know, with the wind, then crashing on the shore of some foreign land just with nothing but trees and then saying, got to get started and just build from nothing. And that's a fire and forget weapon system. Yeah. That's the person that's not going to land and say, what do I do? Who's going to feed me? You better figure it out. Sink or swim, buddy. That's America. That's rugged individualism. Also to write a constitution. If it's wrong, it's wrong. Wow. But but think about it. That's it. Yeah. That's Do the it, Declaration and this, the Constitution. There's this thing called the Manila Principles. Have you heard of them? No. It's a digital constitution for the internet age. It's just six parts of like, you know, shall not be infringed yeah. and things. And uh, I don't know them off the top of my head. I probably should. But you, um, you, you, Things like that. Because we people, need to add to this document for this this digital age. People need to realize how brilliant the structure of government in the United States was. Like, I, I thought, I remember when I was a kid and I was learning about the branches of government. And I'm like, so they didn't just want a monarchy and executive. They said, no, we can't do that because here's what the problem with the executive monarchy, you know, uh, autocracy is. Mm-hmm. Okay, well, what about like direct representation? Ah, no, it's too slow. It can't. Yeah. All right. Well, what about like a council of elders, of learned? No, because then yeah. they, how about all three of them? They all challenge and check each other. Checks and balances, separation Brilliant. of powers, co-equal branches. Yep. So they took, you know, Montesquieu's spirit of the laws. They read it. They studied it. They understood it. And they perfected it. But Brilliant. guess what? We don't teach spirit of the laws yeah. in schools. What's that? Montesquieu. That's how we came up with the uh, three branches of government. Charles Montesquieu. It's brilliant. Have you heard of the National Initiative? 
Mm-mm. Mike Gravel was pushing it, okay. uh, Senator from Alaska. Okay. And uh, it, it proposes a fourth branch of government that would be each state would elect someone to represent them. And these 50 people could come together and write laws and pass them into Congress to the but Senate. But that's the Senate. But we already have this. Well, we literally. have one. It's the, the representatives, but they're essentially a monopoly on lawmaking. So it would give people also another but you, opportunity. But you to, still already have it. You know what you have it in the Article 5 Convention mm, of States. That's right. I'm telling you, these guys sat down and they thought of every single thing. And so it, it is not just we have representation based upon population. We have equal representation based upon a state. So you have that with the Senate. But then also the states have the ability to have impact upon the Constitution by way of Article 5. So it's there. So we're doing, let's, like, let's, we do build a website where we could get all these legislations to come together seamlessly like a social network for state legislations. For state legislation or U.S. legislation? I think for state legislation so that we could call a constitutional law. That, uh, that, that, that might be difficult because you got 50 different states. But I think that each and every show that you all have, you should do just a quick little 10-minute review of some piece of legislation that has come out of, of Washington, D.C., H.R. 1, H.R. 5, H.R. 8, you know, 127, 130, whatever. Just pick one and just kind of have a little tutorial and how it would affect the states. we got to read some more. Some more yeah, we do. All right. Crackbot says... Tim, I've spent over 10 years deploying in and out of it, out of Afghanistan in the military, especially in combat environment. Even REMFs were being engaged in fighting. We had nurses having to pick up rifles and fight. You can't lower the standards. Everyone is there to fight. And Good point. REMF stands for rear echelon mofos. OK, that's what <laughs> that's what it means. And, and you're right. What what Afghanistan and Iraq, what they are there, that's asymmetrical warfare. Uh, there is no front line and, you know, then the rear area. I mean, the enemy attacks you everywhere. And so every single person, because you were saying, well, can we just take them out and put them in some different position? Every single person has to be ready to fight. That's one thing that I truly love about the Marine Corps, because the Marine will tell you that every Marine is a rifleman. That's the mentality first. I don't care if you're a specialist as a lawyer, you're a rifleman. All right. We got one that uh, is an important question from Dustin Wood. He says, Tim, always admired Colonel West. I'm a member of the Log Cabin Republicans of Texas. We were denied being admitted as a member of the Texas GOP last year. Can Colonel West say why he doesn't support gay conservative groups joining? I didn't say that I don't support gay conservative groups joining. That happened before I came on as the as the chairman. I came on as the chairman of July 2020. I think the issue is that we have platforms that talk about traditional marriage, and we want to make sure that any group associated with the Republican Party of Texas supports the platforms of the Republican Party of Texas. Because if you don't support the platforms, then you're undermining what the Republican Party of Texas stands for. All right. Diego Rivera says the Texas state GOP party platform st- uh, stars stars that a declaration of war from Congress uh, states maybe that a declaration of war from Congress is required before Texas National Guardsmen can be deployed to overseas combat. I agree. And 31 states have introduced defend the guard legislation. Chairman West, do you agree? I agree that we have to defend our guard. And one of the things that's uh, Title 10, if I'm correct, when you activate the guard to go and serve in, in active duty. And as a matter of fact, you had a lot of guardsmen that were serving in Operation Desert Shield, Desert Storm. Now, what I'm concerned about is the abuse of our guard and what we see happening in Washington, D.C. right now. Uh, the fact that we cannot put a border on our southern border with Mexico, but yet we have fence and razor wire around the United States Capitol and the National Guard patrolling and standing and manning that as well as making them sleep in, you know, parking garages and eat, you know, 
uncooked food and things of this nature. So I am really concerned about the abuse of our National Guard by this Biden administration. Yeah, me too, man. All right. This one's going to be hard for me, but I'll try my best. Vince R. says, former 13B here. 13 Bravo. That's our artilleryman. Would like to know if Colonel West and I may have crossed paths. It says A311FA, Lewis8789, Go Devil's Brigade, 77FA, CA Knox8991, A15FA, oh, KC9192, <laughs> okay. and HSB320FA, Campbell9294. Boy, let, let me... Uh, <laughs> he put a lot of you know different duty assignments out there. Let me just try to encapsulate it. And my first duty sta- uh, station was 1984-1987 in Vicenza, Italy, with the Airborne Battalion there. I came back, went to Fort Sill for Advanced Artillery School. Then I served in the 1st Infantry Division at Fort Raleigh. From 88 to 91, got back from Desert Shield, Desert Storm, met my wife, married her. She was a professor at Kansas State University, taught Army ROTC at Kansas State from 91 to 95, went to Korea, 2nd Infantry Division, 95, 96, 97, the Army Commander General Staff College, 97 to 99, Fort Bragg, North Carolina, 99 to 2002, 2nd Marine Expeditionary Force, 2002 to 2004, 4th Infantry Division, Fort Hood, Texas. Dang. Hopefully that answered the question. So he, you got to triangulate and figure out if we ever served together. All right, let's see. Lior Engelstein says, as an individual with an FFL 07 and an SOT02, manufacturer of NFA items, my ATF agent's biggest complaint are NFA items. They want to get rid of the category because it's too much of a headache for something that should be an NISCS check. All right. Johnny Smoke says, did you guy catch the video of Tim C from Rage Against the Machine? His belief, the U.S. is a military coup and Mark Milley and the former chairman of the Joint Chiefs of Staff hold a higher power than the president. Is that? No. I don't know anything about that. No. That, that seems a bit, yeah, a bit yeah. out of there. But if they did, would they admit it? No. You're never going to have a military coup in the United States of America. Isn't, the United States is a military coup. Yeah, sure. No. Wheels says, Colonel West for... <laughs> Colonel West for president. Oh, stop. 1979 Army, 82 AB, reporting for duty, sir. Well, God bless you. Army strong. PJ says, Lieutenant Colonel West, Desert Storm M1A1 tanker here. You're welcome. Thank you, man. You guys (laughs) on the way. Right on. Jerome Morrow says, dude, you better record the hell out of tonight's episode because I want to re-listen to it. Colonel West is talking about a lot of things I want to actively pursue. Well, we do record it. And it'll be up on iTunes, Spotify, and all those uh, other podcast platforms, as well as YouTube. Plus, we're going to put up segments from the show tomorrow. And we're going to have a members-only exclusive segment coming up at TimCast.com about an hour from now or so. So we'll just read a few more Super Chats, and we'll move on there. Sonny James says, Colonel, I need your opinion. Recently, Orthodox Jews protested a law that would remove their exemption from the draft in Israel. Many Western countries doing this. What's your opinion? We are in the early Infowars stage of World War III as a decorated military man. Let me tell you, uh, I know that that's one of the things I think the uh, Hasidic uh, and Haredi Jews over there don't have to serve. But who would not want to serve their country, especially in a country like Israel that's surrounded by enemies that want to destroy you? Um, One of the most emotional things I got to do uh, on my trips to Israel was to go up to Masada. And Masada was incredible because those Jewish rebels, instead of surrendering, to the Romans and being taken captives and and returned back to slavery, they took their lives. Wow. What a powerful statement to say that we would rather live free or die. 
rather die on my feet than live on my knees. Absolutely. And so I would say that to everyone that is there in Israel, when you look at what is happening in Iran, when you look at Syria, when you look at Lebanon, I would think that every single able-bodied person would want to be able to stand on the ramparts of freedom and honor the memory of the people of Masada, because that's what freedom really means. I think we need more courage from a lot of people. We do. Yeah. We do. And, and, and again, when you talked about the people that instead of continuing to fight against the social justice warriors, they want to acquiesce and appease it. All you're doing is you're just surrendering. You're going to be on your knees and you're, you know, you don't want to, to live that life. Um, I had a, a general by the name of Rick Lynch. He was our assistant division commander when I was in the fourth infantry division. And he said, life is all about how you live your dash. And the thing that you have to come to understand is that when you pass away from this life on your final resting spot, you got a start date and you got an end date. And then between is a simple little line, a dash. And everything about your life has to speak in that little thing called a dash. And so I would just say, what do you want to be remembered as? A person that got on their knees and surrendered or a person that stood and fought? Right on. On that note, because that's an excellent note to end off on, check out TimCast.com, become a member. We're going to have another segment coming up in about an hour, exclusive for members only. You can follow me on all social media platforms at TimCast. We are live Monday through Friday at 8 p.m. And if you're listening on iTunes, Spotify, or any of these podcast platforms, leave us a good review. It really does help. My other YouTube channels, youtube.com slash TimCast, youtube.com slash TimCastNews. Don't forget to like, share, and subscribe this show right now. And uh, most importantly, sharing it uh, really does help. It's the best way to get the word out on podcast, and it's something we really appreciate. And uh, before we go, Colonel West, is there anything you want to promote or shout out? You got a social media account or anything? Well, I do. Uh, you can follow us at the Republican Party of Texas. You can follow the website, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and everything. And then also my personal page, which is Alan West Texas, uh, Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, the whole nine yards, Twitter. So, uh, again, it's just a pleasure and honor to be here with you all. Thanks so much, Ian. Right Thanks so much, Tim. Thank you so much, Madam Producer and Lydia. Yes. You guys can also follow me at iancrossland.net for all your joy and, and love. Alan, I love you, man. Thanks for coming. You're too dude. cool. And you know what? The funny thing was when I walked in here in the beginning, he's like, uh, who are you? <laughs> uh, yes. Yeah, yeah. Man. Blake Slate. Blake pure. Slate. I Keep love it. it. Pure. I will. That's the yeah. best, baby. Yeah. All right. Well, but that Thanks, was, that, that's kind of it. Like, you know, he immediately had 5,000 questions for you. And yeah. <laughs> and I was like, we got to save it. Save it. That's, I want to know you, not your legacy. Yeah. You tell me. Well, but my legacy is me. Yeah. yeah it's what I leave. I'm what a, I leave. But we're, we're, we're going to, we're going to talk. I think we're, we're, we're going to talk about a lot about military stuff Ooh, too, yeah. you know, yeah. in the next segment. So uh, yeah, don't forget fun. we got Sarpetch. Also me in the corner. And I want to thank, uh, Colonel, Lieutenant Colonel West for joining us. Fantastic conversation. Really fun to drive with him. I love driving my guests from the airport. You can follow me on Twitter at Real Sour Patch Lids, also on Vines, and then on Gab and Instagram at Real Sour Patch Lids. We're going to go talk about probably military stuff, conflict over at TimCast.com. So sign up and we will see you all then. Bye, guys. <laughs>